0: Man I don't know what the fuck (laughs) Buttons I'm pushing Um, How Did the what in the all right ladies and gentlemen we're on live everywhere but facebook i set facebook up completely to go live and we're already recording so uh just keep going boys and girls oh wow so we are live on facebook no we're not but we'll catch up in a second dj erased everything because he's dumb Mm -hmm. but But we're we're recording recording. oh
2: yeah
1: well we can record i
0: mean (laughs) yeah oh one of my favorite things is to (laughs) put things out live or on the recording that never go live oh yeah uh because it's like that hidden track you know
1: like on this on the cd you're like there's a track 54 Uh, on what the CD. What's a CD? Compact <laughs> disc. It came sometime after 8-Track and sometime before music died. Oh, I found it. I just had it on the wrong Tab. monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I D- DJ behind the desk is hilarious. Yeah, it sure. is. <laughs>
0: have you have you, you've been on the show with me behind the desk? Uh, uh,
3: I, have not. I have, but I feel like it was only maybe one episode, two I tops. Have.
0: No, I, I'm a complete disaster <laughs> producing the show. I did a good job, like engineering how this stuff works. Like, <coughs> but why is?
3: Well, in your in your defense, we do have that new setup back there, and the it's super shiny. Like I can't stop looking at the lights on your computer. Um, Dude, like, like, everything se- about it is distracting. There's to me, and 17
0: I love it. different lights in that computer. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Take so, some can mushrooms can you, and stare at your computer. <laughs> yeah, basically, what do you think? Can I you see did it from where all you all are, day? Josh? Can you oh, see yeah. it from the couch?
3: Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I apologize if I'm looking at that basically the entire <laughs> night, but it's like every time I'm even close to that thing, my eyes are just drawn to it immediately. I'm so confused.
0: OBS is streaming. Maybe my
1: key is I was going to say, off. is your key in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you were saying about that scotch?
1: Oh, yeah. So that you're absolutely right. Like from the first drink uh, to now where that ice is melted. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just there's 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 no bite there's no super smooth but you can definitely tell the you can definitely like it's just got that rum kind of um kind of flavor on yeah 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 rum kind of flavor on the back end you know it's just because i I do drink some rum and most of the time it's dark it's spiced
3: (laughs) have you always like been into like flavors and foods and stuff and now like transferring over
1: into alcohol it's a little more like intuitive or boof uh yeah to a certain extent i guess um you know there's there's i'm not a big i'm a i'm a vodka drinker so you know you really don't have a whole lot of flavors it's just mm-hmm. kind of what's better and what's not you know yep. um, but wines you definitely have you know have some flavors and and uh and trying more and more wines i can definitely tell Oh, this has this, or this has a little more spice. Or, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys be like, Oh, I've got notes of raspberry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but I can tell, like, you know, like there's definitely like, Oh man, you know, I, I was at a winery this weekend. We went and uh, went to a bunch of wine tasting rooms out in Georgetown and, and it was so funny. I remember drinking a couple different wines and one, like I could only taste it on the back of my tongue. Like that, it was like, oh, this is weird because those are the flavors, you know, it had. And then the next wine was only on the front of my tongue. And it was just weird. And I'm like, this is this is a cool experience. But, but yeah, so, um, but no, it, absolutely. I, I, well, And I think it just takes, you know, drinking better quality stuff <laughs> yeah. to really, you know, it's like, oh, it tastes like burning, you know, like <laughs> pain. Know. So yeah, like, mmm, it <laughs> tastes like burning. You know, now you're actually like, oh, I can actually, you know, t- it's like putting hot sauce on something. Like, like oh, it just tastes spicy you know like mm-hmm. the heat but now you can actually be like oh i can enjoy the flavors yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's a good way to put it so yeah definitely it,
3: it makes total sense and it's something that i would like to be a little bit more open to because i feel like i'm now getting into that territory yep. where alcohol is not something to just like let loose and go hard yeah. on the weekends with your friends <laughs> it's more of an experience type Some thing pound and very exactly jaeger yeah. and red bull yeah for sure so I, I feel like if i open myself up to that a little bit more i'll be able to to experience that but I'm, I'm just on the edge of it because sure. like i feel like i don't have a very sensitive palate and like i'm not the kind of guy who can take a bite of food and be like oh is that cumin or whatever it is, you know like i'm just <laughs> it's paprika. still food to me there's still just flavors and sure. if it's strong i notice it but other than that it's just like I, yeah i think that's there. just experience man yeah you know for sure so that would be an interesting thing like kind of training yourself to pick up mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff um but Did I feel like what? there's like a natural ability thing there too I,
0: <gasps> I, I think it's mistake. a good journey man like, uh, yeah I think that's I stopped drinking for. Free- by the way we're live on Facebook oh, as hey, well, hey. guys and gals <laughs> if you're listening on Facebook sorry about your luck we started a few minutes ago uh, DJ doesn't know how to run the boards and hold on a second look there we go I'm on the boards tonight so congratulations the internet part is fucked up um, we have some recorded live. What's up, Miss Ivy? How are you doing? Go fix your car. Um, <laughs> a poor girl's car broke down. So, oh, no. yeah, oh, no. no, it sounds like she's got it under control. Everything's going good, but I'm still going to tease her. Um, uh, yeah. So we've already talked a little bit about it, but tonight we're doing, ask us anything, uh, just a little bit of a juggle, getting some guests lined up. And, uh, I mean, just doing the boys was a lot of fun. Ask us anything is something we haven't done in quite a while. And, and Josh suggested it. And we already have a good handle or a uh, number of questions queued up. I'll tell you, I think enough that we don't need any more questions. But I'll take ask all we them, can get. Yep. But yeah, if you ask them, uh, if you're watching live and you ask them live, I will prioritize those over the ones we have queued up. Absolutely. Um, because thanks for joining us. Thank you for taking the time. So, y'all, how you doing, girl? <laughs> oh, <Boing>, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're not watching, I'm just doing all that to a camera <laughs> to make it weirder. <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, Scotch for me was. Was uh, I stopped drinking for many years? Um, needed to stop a lot of, of, of alcohol and drug abuse. Um, and I just needed to, to get straight in my head couldn't really drink and drinking was something I I, will, I, I do most things in excess you've, you've seen me nerd out on things Alex so you know it <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> He's He's like anything you know. worth doing is worth overdoing yeah yeah so we, we're planning a little friendly getaway as a group of friends and DJ went and booked something stupid I mean yeah. it's, it's it's but it's overkill but it's fun
3: so oh, I'm looking forward to it overkill's oh, underrated dude, yeah
0: we're, we're doing a D&D getaway retreat oh so my yeah we're shutting down <laughs> LB Altimeters US so all the <laughs> can go play D&D I think I'm joking <laughs> um the uh uh <laughs> So Val and I, you know, the speakeasy we go to every so mm-hmm. often. We uh, we were sitting at the bar. This is back when we knew the manager of the speakeasy. I'm like, yo, Robert, I drinking drank in years. I'm interested in drinking again. And he helped work his, our way up and down the bar. He also would make, they make craft cocktails. there. I think you've eaten. There. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. They make some killer craft cocktails there. And he would like guinea pig on Val and I. He would make them. And we only have to have a drink. He doesn't like, don't drink the whole thing. Just take a sip. So sitting at the bar was an experience, but he, we, I would drink, he would ask me what I do and don't like, and over time, he would start naming the things that I would tell him. It's like, cool, we call that, or that is, or you would think this is, or that's because. Um, so Alex, it really is not something I understand. Um, and then they teach you how to taste. Like, so you taste with your nose as well as your mouth. So like a good scotch, take a good sniff, and then take a breath. Your first sniff was just getting alcohol. That's all you were smelling. You were smelling <laughs> <Yeah>. booze. <laughs> take a second sip. And now you're get, starting to get the true notes, the true flavors, because you have a cleaned out palate and you're used to what's coming on. And then take the third whiff because the second real whiff is really going to get you the notes. And the first whiff was just a discard. Hmm. Um, when you drink it, when you get in your mouth, wine, you've heard this in wine. Mm. When, when you sip it, you sip it with air. You take air in and you <laughs> let it do that on the back of air your rate. tongue. Yeah, yeah. air right on the back of your tongue. Um, that's where it is. Chew uh, when 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 a uh, food gets on your tongue, depending on what it is—tart, bitter, sweet, whatever chew when foods sit on certain parts of your tongue if you want to experience that flavor better and with a lot of scotches and whiskeys when they hit the back of your tongue and it's typically the finish that destroys us all that's when you start chewing and literally masticate literally no josh stop doing that on my couch (laughs) masticate like you're chewing and it really changes how you experience flavor and then just note it. Don't even commit to what you've learned, heard or felt. Just be like, okay, that's my experience. Mm. And after a few more you'll you'll start getting more.
3: Yeah, that sounds like a great way to go about it because I'm all for like acquiring a new skill set and just learning how to be better at anything. So if I think if I approach it in that way, it could be fun.
0: Yeah. I the thing I got out of it the mo- dude, I went from I went up and down the bar and I dude It's good having friends who own restaurants and speakeasy because I have had some fucking ridiculous booze in my life. Um, But my favorite part to this day is now I can go to a friend and they can offer me a beverage or a drink. And A, because I've been up and down that bar, I recognize a lot more distilleries than I used to. Um, And B, I I can have some experience and, and, and appreciate something that they love. And have you ever appreciated something somebody loves so much and cherishes that not everybody gets? You tickle their taint so oh, sure. well, man. <laughs> I mean, it's like licking their butthole. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: Tickle their taint. I don't think I've ever heard that expression used ever. Try it. See what content. you do. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's a good time, isn't
1: it? <laughs> so, AMA.
3: So, AMA. Ask us anything. So yeah. far,
1: no asks. Always yes, that's okay. high guys. Ask, and ask Alex from, from anything. We've got, a, Ivy. we've got a good lineup. What's uh What do we want to dive into? Oh,
0: my Jesus uh i man i i sometimes need to remember how much i do and don't want to censor myself when i do these things because i was going to say your mom yeah you don't i don't and
3: that actually brings me to a question i had so when we say ask me anything no matter how inappropriate these questions get if we get any live stuff that's weird we're going for it so here's
0: here's the post (laughs) ask us no ask us no questions we'll tell you all lies but seriously time (laughs) for another ask us anything episode Ask your questions in the comments, and we'll do our best to make up lies about it. There's like no that. promise we'll tell the truth. There's no promise we'll address everything because there are some sensitive topics. Sure. I do promise we'll do our best to address and I, and anything that comes up on the live feed. I'll ask. I will
1: ask. Fair enough. Within reason.
0: <laughs> if you make me ask, such really stupid, asinine, or or uh, I, if yeah, if you if you ask me to ask socially unacceptable statements. I'm not going to say those
1: that's words. That's a fair way to put it. Up, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, j- other than that, I can be like, dude, if you listen to the show, you know we have very, very. <laughs> I was going to say the boundaries here research. are. Yeah, our limits are yeah. like Titanic deep.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Too soon. God. Too Damn. soon. <laughs> so lost. So uh, what's that? So are they lost? The, our limits are lost. Oh, Our are limits some... are lost. Oh,
0: they've imploded. Um, oh, what, do you know about this, Alex? I do.
1: Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot. I
3: haven't really been keeping up with it a whole bunch, but I know like you know the general outline yeah has it like hasn't it officially ran out of air so like oh no it's it like oh, okay yeah it's it. crashed at the bottom
0: Found
1: a debris field uh, okay feet so yeah off I, of, I did not know yeah that. the ship uh, yeah so it's gnarly. it's
0: man controlled by a logitech xbox controller
1: that's it's crazy. apparently on sale at uh at uh yeah one of the online deals now <laughs> so control five stars
0: mm-hmm. Another thing I've learned to enjoy in my life is a good espresso. One hundred percent. I mean, dude, it's uh, if we only had a good espresso machine in our office, Alex. You know how good that would be. Working on it, pretty good. Is that is that with the TV? Yeah. Hopefully. Okay, it's that's what I good. once I got the TV explanation, um, then I understood where the espresso machine was. But I'm about to put one of these little espressos in my office, anyways, because we just need one for, for what we I do. I Agree. So, um, by the way, there's a giant box next to your circuit breaker, so it worked. Oh, yeah, perfect. Uh, We have a bunch of questions queued up. What is your favorite type of pen? Uh, My favorite type of pen is a Pilot G2 1.0 millimeter. Mm. There's very very specific reasons why i left gel ball roller gel yep. uh, ball roller but uh i i think i've had this discussion have you have you heard this right versus left-handed pin discussion yeah
3: i feel like i've heard it at least once
0: if you're right-handed you literally drag i'm going to put mm-hmm. this on video if you're watching if you're right-handed you literally drag the ball across the paper the tip of the pin rolls across the paper if you're left-handed you're pushing the ball literally into the pen it's a ballpoint pen in a sleeve And so left-handed people literally scratch the paper all the time. When I was a child, I would scratch and tear paper with some of the finer point pens. So one millimeter is specific because a bigger ball actually allows us to keep the ball on the paper and not the tube or cartridge. As a left-handed person, you learn some really weird shit.
1: Yeah, I can totally mentor. Are you a, a righty or a lefty guy? Uh so I'm I'm cross dominant so I actually I means he
0: goes both ways. Yeah, I go
1: both oh, ways with uh, double the options. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, so I uh anything that takes finesse, so I I write and I eat with my left hand and anything takes strength I do with my right hand. So huh. um So wait a minute.
0: Is masturbating strength or finesse? So,
1: I guess it <laughs> depends on, on the you're mood. You're <laughs> on, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like you're a blonde Again, or have a redhead more tonight. Of the stranger or the strangler, you yeah. know. So.
0: <laughs> both, both is the redhead. One's a brunette, one's <laughs> oh, a blonde. Yeah. <laughs>
3: that, Man, that is that uh, is that is an interesting thing to think about. So, do you have a
1: preference on pens as well? Being uh, a Actually, left-handed writer, uh, you can look in my uh, my backpack's yeah. not in here, but you can look in my notebook, and I've got those same Pilots. Those yes,
0: same okay, I've heard this speech at work. Rollerball
1: is definitely the way to go. Okay, but I'm also a big pencil writer so okay. if I can if I can write in pencil I'll write in pencil yeah
0: what's my favorite pen the remarkable two pen you know that note oh yeah. yeah that thing's fucking
3: dope man I love that thing that thing is super cool
0: so Ivy there you go you hear enough of it at work now go fuck off and <laughs> do something productive with your life Um, Chris Brown that's right ladies and gentlemen Chris Brown is asking his questions by okay. the way this is the whitest Chris Brown in the world uh, Jeremy Brown do you guys know who Jeremy Brown is yeah he's course. been a guest on the show he's yeah, a yeah. But, local buddy of mine uh, Chris Brown is, is his brother gotcha. and a gaming fucking nerd nice, nice giant ass nerd man uh really good buddy of mine really love the guy what do you think skydiving will be like in 100 years higher jumps jetpacks etc that is actually he's a wuffo uh, Chris, that means you don't <coughs> skydive, okay? Oh, here, go back to you guys. That means you don't skydive, wuffo. Uh, but, dude, that's a super dope question. What do you think? Hundred years?
1: I can tell you from uh, the just because of the aviation side of things, right? So, like, you know, the biggest thing, really, the biggest technology on the aviation horizon is EVTOL, right? So, yeah. electronic vertical takeoff and, and lift capability, so and landing capability, so. So, I, I really think that, and mind you, we're still, you know, a, a solid ten to. 10 20 years before that's even a reality in general aviation much less commercial aviation so but i mean fast forward 100 years i I definitely can foresee um evtol playing a big part in what in what skydiving is um just because of its i mean it's it's going to be prominent general aviation is going to be prominent commercial aviation so you just look at kind of the trend in that side and then and then that means you know that you may be able to jump on an EV tall at a, at a, at a, drop zone that, that carries four people up or carries five people up. And it's just, it can just run, you know, and basically 10 minute turns or eight minute turns, you know, and then just oh. drop you and get down drop you and literally just go straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. Oh man. So I, I, I mean, I, I can definitely see that being a distinct possibility.
3: That's super interesting to think about, like just in terms of how it could affect jump runs and just the overall how drop zones run, what loads feel like, all that stuff. Because when I think about uh, you know a load going up, there's a jump run, there are approaches, a lot of things are going into that. So when you just add straight up, straight down, and
1: take away all that other stuff, it just it kind of throws me for a loop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it, I mean, and I could definitely see it in in especially the the autonomy of it, right? The unmanned side of it. You know, I, I can definitely see that more in. Uh, skydiving than you could in you know some of the you know passenger transport uh, sides of aviation just because yeah, it's definitely. a little there's, it's yeah. a little bit more of the Wild West and skydiving.
3: Do you think the skydiving industry would be early or late to adopt that kind of thing? Like, oh, we're going to test it on the skydivers, or we're going to test it wherever <coughs> else, wherever there's more need for that kind of thing, and then eventually it makes its way into the skydiving late. Market. Late.
0: We're a, we're a budget economy. Mm. We don't have the most money in the world uh jump tickets are expensive to some people but in some countries uh they are three times the amount they are in the US four times the amount they are in the US um and and they aren't they aren't cheap um and because of that we commonly are an adopter of later technology uh you don't see many new twin otters on drop zones True. and part yeah. of it was because they stopped making them I was saying, years. They don't make twin otters <laughs> no, they do they may start making them again years Did ago they? A few years ago no, 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 no. Uh, but fact is is you're still not seeing many new twin otters on drop zones you don't see many newer caravans on DZs. Um, you do see operators who get lucky and get great deals on new planes, on newer planes. Um, Steve Boyd, Larry Hill are both fine examples of men who've been able to sit and watch and, and they have a pulse on the market of aircraft so they buy up good deals when they can. But for, for the most part, our air, our our, uh, our gear in general has always been surplus. Whether it's uh, skydiving gear or our, our skydiving equipment, excuse me, started as military surplus gear. We were jumping old military yeah. bullshit. Good point. Mm-hmm. So I think because of economy and economy being, uh, we are already in an expensive sport because of a small community. Uh, we're going to be late adopters because we're not going to get the first generation. We're going to get the first generation when the third generation is out of, of whatever kind of technology it is. I mm. could be wrong though.
3: Yeah, for sure. What do you guys think like culturally skydiving is going to look like in that much time? Cause I think about this somewhat often, like the flying styles and how much certain areas of the sport are evolving so much. And just like, am I going to wake up one day and just put some Tivas on and only fly belly oh. for the rest? You know, like, at what point everybody does everybody flies start? angles.
1: That's it. That's the only thing anybody <laughs> well, ever does. So. To no, to you're
3: going to be made fun <laughs> of for
0: flying
1: angles. <laughs> yeah. Angle flyer. Oh, God. Full circle. It's just well, going to come around to belly like, like, that
3: concept is super interesting because it, it does take a certain level of, like, athleticism, or ju- you got to be in a certain level of shape to do some more demanding, like, dynamics type stuff. Um, not to say that it can't be done, but what happens when all these stubborn old 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 guys that haven't jumped in, well. however many years, but like want to relive the old glory days and like do a bunch of crazy angles? And now everybody's on current, and their body's not what it used to be. Like that's <laughs> well, a that, really interesting and, conversation. And
1: you know, we're, we we don't even know what new disciplines are going to come out in the next ten years. I mean, when did angles? When did angles start being a thing? I mean, you had tracking, you At know, the naughty.
0: What's that? At Menotti flocking jumps. I mean, re- so really, in the in the late '90s, we were doing these things, um, much looser groups um, because we didn't have the skill set to stay tight. Right. Uh, much more rudimentary versions. I mean, what 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 we're doing today is, is light years ahead. You know, it's one Tor- of the reasons I like watching angle flyers is because I was on early flocking jumps before flocking was really well known. And to be on those early movement jumps, you know, we were tracking, we're doing tracking jumps, we were doing flocking jumps, flocking, just being head down, driving across the sky Mm -hmm. like mad. Um, Whether we're turning, moving, it's a movement jump. Um, And we even took free, uh, we even took tracking and uh, flocking jumps together. We actually combined them. So I, you know, I look at what's going on, everybody thinks it's the newest thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's not the newest thing. It's just a fucking stellar evolution of fucking something that we just thought of 20 years ago. Twenty years ago, we were just trying this shit out for early repetitions, and even years before that, they were. And now it's a fine-tuned craft. I mean, it's it's an art. It's a craft. You know, it's it's just something else.
1: So yeah, I mean, you look at that, and you know, you started doing something twenty years ago that's now becoming a you know very very mainstream in the last five seven you know years, but. So 20 years from now, who knows, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what the discipline, who knows what somebody's going to come up with. And like, that's the next coolest thing. I mean, you look at canopy piloting and yeah, canopy piloting is always a thing, but, mm-hmm. and I think that was, you know, a lot of technology, you know, technology based, but it wasn't until once again, the early two thousands that it was really, you know, competitive and they started really, you know, pushing that, that sport and or that, that discipline. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, man, when did you start skydiving? I've only been Scott since 2015. It's so neat Eight to years, hear you man. say since the early
0: 2000s because you're right on point with where the, you know the pond. Uh, that the, the late 90s, early 2000s. That's when Swoop Nationals. Mm-hmm. That's when the the PD team. Yeah. I mean, that's PD factory team. Man, uh, dude. It, that Those were some... I got to know your history, man. I got to know my history. It's history. really <laughs> it It's awesome. And if you haven't
1: watched, what is the, the PD Factory team's... Uh, Dreams of Flight? Yeah. I mean, if you haven't watched that, you need to go watch that.
0: It's somewhere on one of these shelves anywhere in here. Uh, so I, I just need to catch us, catch us up for one second in this I'm conversation. Sure. I want to continue on it because this one really... No, we got to no, move through. No, I want to I <laughs> ask a few more questions. But Skydive Dubai did have new otters according to DQ and DQ is no, a man with his fucking pulse on the pulse.
3: Mm, yeah. Agreed. I trust him. Pulse on, the, You
0: know what I'm saying? Suck a side, won't say pretty jacket. The same old, same old, see a bra a booty him. lay it down, smack him, yank him. Cool, God's to be shit. Look up airplane yeah. script,
1: dude, the this movie, is airplane. The greatest movie, dude. Uh, picked a hell of a week to stop sniffing glue. Yeah.
0: Bat, bat pass the boy to drink cyber the Java. Uh, t- uh, I man, team chaos, team extreme. Uh, mm. old Spaceland, this was an interesting one, had uh, airline otters that they used on weekends. Oh, really, yeah, like uh, League City, Spaceland. Yeah, Leak City, Spaceland. Um, there was a company in Illinois in, in, in the late 90s, even up to the early 2000s, like a 102 named Viking Express, and they were cargo line. They flew uh, caravans, mm-hmm. 208 and 208Bs. Uh, the Farringtons own some of those Viking Express uh, planes now. And they flew cargo during the week and self-unloading cargo with attitude on that's weekends. Hilarious! Have you never heard that? Or? No,
1: no, no. I, I no, I've I absolutely heard that going flying and, and being the self-unloading cargo. But the fact that they were doing both. Oh yeah! Like, like Friday, you're just frantically out, you know, taking out seats and everything else, or nets and and throwing in pads and yeah. And then Sunday, Sunday night, you're doing the same thing. Like, oh, I gotta get the nets back in and everything else. And thing the thing is,
0: is I don't see it happening the way you're describing. I I see it happen Saturday morning and all the jumpers right. are getting together, stripping the plane. You're probably right. Saturday yeah. evening, probably Monday morning <laughs> operators putting it back together. But as a gener- generality, the, the community probably did it because the, the sense community back then was
1: different. It was all club based, <clears throat> you know, it yeah. was all club based and, and you had to show up to go and to jump and enough people had to show up to, to get the plane up. And, and you know, from, from, from my understanding, it was very different than it is today.
0: Um, my, my, uh, stupid fucking sister sorry she's an idiot excuse me i love you debbie uh does donji just make stuff up
1: as he goes or is he really a smart guy I'll take a little column A, little column B for <laughs> two hundred, Alex. I <laughs> That's make funny, I was thinking shit that. up <laughs> all the time. Make it up as you go
0: along. Fake it till you make it, it man. dude. Fake it, fake. Why, why, fake it till you make it? If you just can just
1: fake faking, it, why make it, it? it, man? Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I've been working way too hard. I, Ivy
0: laughed at the comment, so my sister and my fucking coworker are both fucking picking <laughs> on me and shitting on me. Um, man, so um. No, actually, I'm extremely smart. I have an IQ of 154. Don't know if you guys ever knew I was tested. Well. Wow. No, I'm totally making <laughs> well, I'm, that. I'm,
1: I'm up. Say, I'm sure you've been tested for some stuff. I don't know
0: about IQ. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, there is that. Um, Scott. Rumble said Fair Enough, which was on fair his enough. show, which is why you fair heard enough. me slide in a Fair Enough over there.
3: I, I, I said it earlier, too, and I thought of Scott right when I said oh, it. Oh, so I said so that all the that time. You, I don't know that so. that's yeah, yeah, a no, uh, Fair enough? Yeah, but
0: it's one of his little cheeky things. Nice. Um, team Chaos and Team Extreme, along with PD Factory right. Team, Old School G's, uh, uh, JC Coleclasier was on Team Extreme, the original Icarus Team, and who is now on part of the PD Factory Team and their camera flyer. Yep uh team chaos man uh uh, uh andy farrington luke akins um uh tj langren um that was all that was all that was team extreme no kidding yeah oh dude no some i knew chaos. tj was i knew tj was uh dq you gotta help me out man i missed the last guy on chaos um and i know his name i, I can actually picture him um team extreme was was clint clausen uh, Jim Slayton, J.C. Colclasure, and Luigi or Lewis Caney, Jeffro, um, Jeffro Jeff Provenzano. How the fuck is not who oh. I was thinking about? DQ, get fucked, DJ <laughs> Jeffro. I am so sorry, dog. I'm so fucking sorry, man. I'm an ass. That is horrible. Luke and Jeffro and Andy together forever, and I, wow. I just dropped the ball. I'm an ass, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, Icarus was 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 Jim Slayton. JC, Luigi, and what was the other one I said? Clint Clawson. Clawson. Eventually, uh, the team kind of went their own ways, not necessarily to span fell apart. Uh, eventually, if I remember right, Nick Batch and Jessica Edgington joined Jim Slayton at the same time to be the second version or second generation of, of Team PD? Extreme. Oh, really? Of Edgington Extreme.
1: was eventually on Edgington uh, became PD
0: Factory Team. Okay. Um, Nick Batch eventually became Nick Batch. Right. Nick Batch is, is, is a monster if... If you, ta- if you tell me the best canopy pilots in the world, immediately two names come up, Nick and Kurt. Sure. And it, it, they're, they're absolute beasts. Put Greg in there, too. Um, I love Greg Wimmiller. I think the world of him. I think Greg Wimmiller is amongst the best. Those Not two before. stand above him. Fair. Uh, absolutely mad respect for Greg. Mad respect. Sure. But Nick and Kurt, the, the resume speak. The resume speak. You're absolutely right. Nobody <laughs> made a speed suit look better than Greg Wendell. No. Oh, God. <laughs> I oh, <don't> baby. <laughs> Michael Stevens was the other one on Gen 2 of Team Extreme. Thank you, DQ. Wow. DQ.
1: Ah, man. No, my He's man. On yeah. That's what I'm talking about.
0: I, I am known as a skydiving encyclopedia, and I am a wealth of knowledge encyclopedia a skydiving. And history wise, I'm pretty good. DQ will smoke me in history. Hundred percent, man. I can go to him every fucking time. He's my guy. <laughs> so, it. so yeah. The history of skydiving and the future of skydiving, man. I'm super curious with how big formations can get because I think that discipline is kind of dwindling. Uh, I, man, really cool. The big way, vertical big way, world. A lot of major players, and, and I'll let them speak for themselves in their own time. But I've got the the pleasure of speaking to them in, in conversations are taking a step back and completely re-engineering and reapproaching the the free fly big wave scene and they're not dumb they mm-hmm. are completely re-engineering it through belly flying um, and, and it's something that there's differences there's variances and it had to evolve differently but at the same time did you evolve too far and need to go back to your roots uh, there's going to be a nice uh, uh, event in Germany in a couple months. Uh, e skydiving or E Records is, is the organizer. Uh, um, a guy named Steve Braff is one of the organizers. I know uh, Matt Fry will be one of the guys nice. in attendance and one of the organizers for this event. Uh, and they're looking at reengineering it from the base out. Um, it, it, it's cool. So with the thoughts and engineering, with the
3: safety
0: innovations, like dude, you ever play Apex? You ever play any of these first-person... I uh, haven't. You know,
3: I've seen some clips and stuff, yeah. but I haven't played But you
0: play any of these uh, first-person shooters, and not Apex. What's... what's uh, um, but, man, you land without parachutes, or you land at the last second, you flare with a jetpack, and you touch the ground. Oh, yeah. I can't think of the game I'm thinking of right now. Like Fortnite? Uh, no, not Fortnite. Fortnite, you land a fucking umbrella. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of many choices. I, unfortunately, Chris Brown, that gaming nerd friend of mine, yep. we play a little bit of Fortnite together. Nice. I would like to say I have a top 1.4% win rate. Wow. I rank in the top 1.4% uh of Fortnite players in win rate. Just saying. Wow. Um okay. I started playing Fortnite very recently. I play Fortnite with a bunch of fucking sweaty ass demons <laughs> who get me a lot of wins. <laughs> so I'm new to Fortnite but play Battle Royales and I'm pretty decent at them. Mm-hmm. So I have a high win rate because I play with a team who fucking plays together. So I'm not good. I just fucking, I'm in a backpack taking a ride. I'm like a <laughs> backpack. tag along. I'm in Chris's baby. Bjorn, he wears a backwards and I'm shooting pistols out the side. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a good time. Yelling chaos things.
1: What's the next question? Let's
0: go to the questions. Um, man, I really want to hit this one first. And this was actually not a question from our listeners. Um, and it's because it was one on Facebook beginning skydiving group. And it's one that I really yep. think needs to seriously be addressed. Uh, and somebody asked about touching handles under canopy. Hey, do any of you experts suggest touching your handles, your emergency procedure handles, your cutaway handle, and your reserve handle when you're open um, open under a fully functional canopy? And quite a few people ridiculed that idea and said it was asinine, stupid, ridiculous, a waste of time. You need to be flying your parachute. You need to be... And everything they said that this person should be doing, they are correct. They need to be doing mm-hmm. all of these things. Kurt Bartholomew, and I, and I think I want to read uh, pull up the post at some point and read how he said it, because how he said it, he said it well. But I want y'all's take on should a jumper with a license under a stable canopy, and I'll let you put the rest of the caveats you want to it, touch your emergency
3: handles under canopy. What say ye? I think under the right circumstance and gives the right t- context, that's not a bad thing to train for and get familiar with but it depends so heavily on the context. If you're in the middle of 20 other canopies managing traffic and you have 26 jumps, maybe not. But, (laughs) uh, if you can find the right time and place and you can bring the right mindset into that of, of of course, being mindful of where the handles are, but not necessarily using them if you don't have to. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, doing a, a lot of training, not necessarily in skydiving, but skydiving as well. But just in my life throughout my, you know, my, my careers, you know, one of my big mantras was: let's never do something the first time we have to do it for real, if we can help it. Right. So, um, I never want, I never wanted to go into a situation, you know, especially in a, you know, we go, we take it back to a tactical environment. Right. I never wanted myself or one of my guys to come out and say, man, that's the first time I ever did that in an operational environment, mm-hmm. because that means that, that most likely I've failed or somebody else has failed to, to, to foresee that and say, man, we should have trained on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, how, I mean, <laughs> You know how many times have have Scott Evers and not necessarily anybody here, but had to cut away under a you know marginally functional parachute. Like, hey, it's kind of flying, but not well enough to land. Now I need, and now I need it to cut away. And that's mm-hmm. you know most of the time, that's what it is. I got a line twist, or I got a line over, or broken lines, or something like that. It's it's marginally functional, but now I need to cut away. So that would say that would tell me that they i i absolutely need to know where those handles are cuz i'm telling you right now they've moved like from, from the last time yeah. <laughs> you checked them on the plane 100 to under canopy they have they have moved so i would i would definitely agree with you in that um barring any other thing that needs your direct attention you know you find the right time the right place mm-hmm. you're on a hop and pop stuff like that you, absolutely figure out where those are where there's are going to be and figure out how much they've moved. Cause you're probably going to go right here and realize, Oh, they're not there. They're actually up here, mm-hmm. you know, now. And, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Why, why wouldn't you? why wouldn't, you know, like, why would anybody think that that would be a, you know, a poor idea? Now I get it. If you're like, you said, in the middle of 20 <laughs> other canopies yeah. and you're task <laughs> saturated with everything else going on or, you know, uh, you, you, I mean, you fly a you fly a small canopy with a removable slider. There's some housekeeping that you need to do, and and depending mm-hmm. on the circumstance, you know, you may or may not have time, and you're focusing on a lot of things going on. But for sure, like yeah. you, like you know, in this particular example, the guy's got you know 50 jumps. He's probably on you know a, a one one. Maybe a one-two wing loading. He's going to be up there a little while. I mean, the, the same, you know, look at look at a basic canopy course, DJ. Like, do you need to stall your canopy? No, but it's probably a good idea to know where that stall point is. And know how to recover. Right. I mean, I mean sure. these are all, like, yeah. why would you ever need to stall your canopy? So, man. It's I- not about that. It's about <laughs> understanding, like, what it's like, what, what it's going to feel like, and like you said, how to recover. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. It wasn't a point I, I was going to put on myself, but uh, the stall of a canopy really brings it on for me. One of the reasons we want you to stall your canopy in a basic canopy course is so you recognize what it really feels like because almost everybody I teach how to stall, and when I say stall, I mean actually collapse a canopy because they're not one in the same. Um, all of them I say, I'll tell you right now, I believe this is what happened. You said, that's it nope, that's it. Mm. And for some of you, it was a second time. And the third time, most of you said that's it. That was it. And almost everybody says it was one of those. Mm-hmm. And so it's proof that it's not what you think it is. The fear edge, the problem edge, the disaster edge is further away than you think. So number one, recognizing how far you can go, what your true limitations are, are super important. Number one. Number two, Fear is a reaction from false expectations. False expectations appearing real. I think we all know that acronym. Well, if I'm familiar with something, I no longer have false expectations. If I have, if I do not have false expectations, I mitigate my fear. If I mitigate my fear, I manage my reactions. That's what I need, is I need to manage those reactions. I need like a hula hoop to make sure I do the right things. You like that one? <laughs> that was for you. Uh, I'll let you hula hoop in a second. Um, so... Uh, uh, That for for me, part of, uh, and then of course with the stall, how to properly recover, practice that is a good idea. Touching my handles. When it's time for me to actually touch my handles for the first time, there is going to be an amount of fear going on and probably should be because it's an exciting moment in your life that could go tragically wrong, but your gear is good and you've trained for it if you do the right things. So being able to safely and comfortably find those handles because you've done it before. As Josh said, when I'm hanging under my canopy, my handles are in a different location. Now when I'm spending wildly and rapidly, they're slightly moved again. So now I've exacerbated that situation if I've never looked from day one. So, so, no, go ahead. so if I find where they're at under a stable canopy, the amount they move from there with a tightened chest strap is minimal, so any extra movement after that is going to be minimal. What were so you about I'll to I'll say? I'll
1: nerd out a little, just a little bit on it. So in a critical incident... In a critical situation, um, you have your parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system takes over, and what happens is you have a um, you have a high brain and a low brain, right? And so your low brain is in charge of very instinctual, very is that my wiener? Yeah, that, that <laughs> is sorry. your low brain. Uh, you know, very <laughs> instinctual and very programmed responses. Your high brain is what you know is higher thinking. It's what, it's it's your ability to kind of rationalize and and logical, you know, think logically, but your low brain is just very very instinctual your low brain is programmed off of off of previous behaviors so um if you think of it like if if, if you and i went out to a field nice high to if you and i went out to spaceland you know and they haven't mowed the grass and, and in the okay. summer and yeah. it's been like two months right yeah. and i tell you uh hey alex go put that water bottle about 300 yards out near the middle of the student landing area and you go walk out there you drop that water bottle and you come back um You can probably right then go find it because you just walked out there. There's a little trench in the, in the grass. I I can go find it. But if we come back a week later, are you, and you just walked out there and dropped it and come back, are you going to be able to find it? Probably not. The grass is, you know, the, the, the path's not there. I don't really remember where it is. Now, if I tell you, Alex, go out to that water bottle 20 times and back and 20 times and back. And tomorrow I want you to do the same thing. And the next day I want you to do the same thing. And then a month later you come back, you've worn that trench into that grass and you'll be able to find that water bottle because I've worn that path. That's how your low brain works. The more you do that action, the more you do that activity, it's going to program your low brain to be able to recall it in a critical incident. So people that say, oh, if, if, yeah, if that happens, I'm sure I'll be able to manage it. I'm sure I'll re- remember how to do it. No, that's, that's absolutely not. That's not how it's going to work. If you don't actually physically do it, if you don't go through those motions, if you don't program that low brain, you absolutely will not react that way when it comes time to, in a critical incident. So doing that as realistically as possible and training ourselves as realistic, that's why we have malfunction junction. That's why we do things in order. You know, that's why we, in skydiving, we've built these habits in order to program our low brain to be able to react in a critical incident when we lose the ability to think logically and rationally.
0: I want to uh, let Kurt Bartholomew speak, and, and, and this is, first of all, just because a guy is a national champion and a world champion and has more medals than you have wall space in your house, Fair. doesn't yeah. mean he's smart, doesn't mean he's right, because there are a lot of champions who are idiots. Kurt is not one of those guys. Uh, one of the things that has amazed me and one of the things that I've enjoyed getting to, to know about Kurt and getting to learn about him and, and, the, and the limited conversations I do get with him is he is a very well thought out and a very, very intelligent human being. Um, some champions get there by just pure natural-born skill, and Kurt has some of that. Some do it by knowledge, hard work, combination of it all. So here's what he says. Hi, full-time canopy coach here. It is not stupid to practice certain things under canopies before, before you pop your toggles. In fact, there are specific drills that skydivers need to practice with them stowed. It just needs to be done in the right setting at the right altitude with proper awareness. Thank you, Alex. Mm-hmm. Your AFF instructor gave you great advice while you're in AFF. Once you get uh, some experience under your belt, some of that stuff changes because you have some awareness and a whole list of other reasons. I want to read another one of his comments because he's got two that that encapsulate it or encapsulate some of my thoughts, but I like to tell people when they learn to skydive. If you have a five-year-old, do you let them in the kitchen when you cook? No, stay out of the kitchen. Daddy's got a hot oven. When they're 10... You can be in the kitchen, but don't cook, Don't touch the stove. When they're 15, cook me dinner, son. Let him cook. Right? Let him <laughs> cook. Yeah, <man. laughs> for sure, guys and gals, we need to remember as AFF students, we're giving them guidance as AFF. I love the STP program at Spaceland, um, not because I'm part of it. I became part of it because I love it. Uh, it stands for Skydiver Training Program. We're training you with skydiver mentalities because you're always going to be a student and we don't want you to turn that switch off. And we're t- teaching you skills today there will always be relevant to use a skydiver and we're teaching you to evolve with those skills that is is, is a nutshell of, of some of the, the the passion behind behind that program even alex right now is going like man it's it's there's a lot of thought that steve boyd has put into this mm-hmm. shit said and done um man at the beginning you're five years old stay the fuck out of the kitchen boy <laughs> stp aff i don't care what you call your student program absolutely we need to respect those limits you can only process and remember so much. But you boys put good standards and good reasons behind why 18 year olds can cook fucking dinner, yep. man, right? You know, when I was like five years old, I was not allowed to do certain things that I do now, including have sex with a lady. <laughs> oh I touched boobs at both ages in very yeah. different contexts. <laughs> Did you breastfeed yeah. when you were five? Uh, probably not no, okay no. just me
3: yes <laughs> me sorry debbie I'm I'm so. 27 <laughs> now and i'm still going Yeah, so. no. probably at five oh, yeah. let's
0: go <laughs> um here's his other statement there, there might be others but the two that stood out uh some of you are forgetting that newer jumpers don't fall out of the sky like bricks under canopy finding your handles under canopy is a good thing to do doesn't need to be all the time just every now and then or if you're slightly uncurrent Doing them before releasing your toggles is not stupid. Just be aware if you do so, uh, do so, do so. You need to be above your hard deck uh, for cutaway for cutting away. Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading. Plus a little extra. In other words, he's saying be high enough and more. Anybody who's pushing your drills down to those altitudes, you don't need to push it to those limits. Push it to above those limits. Uh, when I tell people do uh, things that could collapse your canopy, be recovered by 2500 feet not try before 2500 be recovered before your decision altitude that's always your goal
1: we need to tell some skydivers to be open by 20, 200, 2500 feet
0: <laughs> <laughs> we still need to tell some skydivers <laughs> to be open by two grand a shocking number a, sh- a, a, shocking,
3: a shocking number, <laughs> number. <laughs> you know what's amazing to me
0: not amazing i'm not shocked but what i, I, I love seeing is when the BSRs changed... So the BSR was too... Sorry, Kurt, we'll get back to you, brother. The BSR- sorry, I didn't mean to derail this conversation. <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> off. Uh, the, the, the BSRs were uh, 2,000 feet for deployment. And, and the day I learned to skydive, the BSR said minimum deployment altitude 2,000 feet. That means it's the highest you pulled. That was just a way of life. Mm. That's, that was the way it worked. Um, mm. I will... I, I've never made a skydive from an aircraft craft leaving the airplane at 1700 feet. That would be absolutely asinine. Of course. And I would have and never done a three or four way from 2500 feet. That would um, be <laughs> not safe. Yeah. Um, I've done some really fun hop and pop uh, group exits. You ever do that? Like launch a flower and yeah, immediately sure. break it and just like. We'll do. I yeah, mean, like
1: being a, a four way flyer, I've done, I can't, I've, I've probably done 20 plus jumps under five grand with four other people. Yeah. Turn two points and broke off you know i mean you got 10 seconds man like you're third away through your
0: jump josh they weren't supposed to tell you but they were doing the skydives because they knew you couldn't count past two (laughs) (laughs) so they said any higher was a waste (laughs) also fair also i don't i
1: don't like you know I've, i've i'm Part of some groups and teams and whatnot, and they're like, Hey, don't pull till three. And I'm like, That's, I don't like that. Like, you <laughs> know, know why? Why? that sounds horrible. Can you at least give me three, yeah. five, please? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when the
0: BSRs changed to two, five, there was an uproar. Oh, I'm sure. There was an uproar. Really? And, 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 and over time a lot a lot of us said man in time this is going to change on its own in time the culture and the community is going to accept it and the police were like well and technically I'm a police officer or I was right what uh, the
1: sky police yeah <laughs>
0: well, yeah well examiners and SNTA's people gotcha. like that people who actually are quote unquote obligated to uphold the standards got it um, the police are like, Oh, how are we going to enforce this? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, if it's egregious, you talk to the person. If it's not egregious, you give it the five to 10 years that it's going to take. You, I was just saying to you, adjust.
1: you, I don't want to use the term enforce the culture, but you embrace the culture and the culture will change. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Most definitely. And it's yeah. one of my big, big, uh, favorite things is, is uh, I've not, a lot of people would be shocked to know this. I have not pushed for a lot of rules at skydive SpaceLand. not a lot at all. I push a lot for culture change. There there are some procedures and policies at Spaceland that I've been a promoter of from the beginning. Uh, No turns over 90 degrees in the main landing area is something I promoted uh, for a while and was on the bandwagon of helping. And I don't like it. I think it's needed. I'd rather people do fat turns in the landing (laughs) area. But yeah. it's needed. It's it's just fucking You're needed, absolutely man. Right.
3: I totally agree. Yeah. It would be super nice, but I completely understand yeah. the requirement.
0: Our little uh, friend uh, Ethan Schmidt. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, multiway hop and pops are some of his favorite jumps. Mm-hmm. Jumps They're at a cool. smaller Cessna drop. You know Ethan, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jumps at a smaller Cessna drop zone. The, those policies and procedures can change there because there's only a few people in the sky at once.
1: Well, uh, safety is relative, and that's what people have to understand: is that. Policies, procedures, and rules are set in place in order to set a lowest common denominator of safety, so that so that no matter what you, you you've managed, you've set out those expectations to say this is how we're going to do things because this is the way we can keep it safe for the most people. Now there is, I mean, look at how many times publicly that some of those policies and procedures are broken because not necessarily broken, but broken for individuals or accepted for individuals because they've been able to manage those, you know, to mitigate those safe the the, the 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 parts that would make it unsafe and then can you know can operate outside of those policies and that's no like you said a smaller you know smaller cessna drop zone you've only got four canopies in the air at most you know so uh, you can definitely mitigate some of that stuff you know just totally while we're while we're on the topic of you know of newer you know talking about newer hold on one second be
0: cognizant Back to Kurt. I want to finish the statement, man.
1: i just sorry. Agreed. Got respect for this fella. Uh,
0: Be cognizant that when you pop your brakes and a knot happens to occur or something else Mm -hmm. is wrong that you hadn't noticed could cause a cutaway. Open slightly higher when you're going to practice this man guys I'll throw in my two cents this is a great time to do a hop and pop Mm -hmm. hop and pops are great places to do a little housekeeping it's a great first jump of the day by the way if you do 10 jumps in a weekend and you haven't touched your handles under your canopy at least one of those 10 jumps and you have at least 100 jumps some of you at 50 jumps are capable of this and honestly some of you at 25 jumps are capable of this everybody has their own level of awareness uh man one in every 10 jobs tandem instructors are told touch your handles when you get under canopy it is part of the tandem train now they're a higher level expert but so uh, i'm an advocate back to sorry kurt, kurt i'm so sorry I <laughs> you, man i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> open slightly higher to practice them and like other people are saying make sure to pay attention to your spot traffic altitude position when you're under parachute check for traffic it's the first thing you're going to run into second altitude am i high enough to do what i'm doing and last position, where am I at compared to the wind indicators? Not the landing area, the wind indicators. So I know if I'm far enough away and or on the right side if the directions have changed. Sorry, back to you, Kurt. Um, you can be heading back to the holding area. You don't have to already be there. You can always try to locate them once your chest strap is loosened too. And honestly, or personally, if I teach you to loosen your chest strap, chances are I'm going to teach you to look for your handles. And when I do advanced training with uh, Canopy Pilots, I teach some extra drills about chest straps because when we get to advanced wings, it does make a difference. Um, If you're at some of those advanced levels, please ask me. This is just one I would like to say for uh, discretional use. Um, Most of you, I will teach you. Um, Don't tell Nick he's kind of dumb (laughs) Um, because that can cause them to move in different slightly spots as well also have time to let go of your toggles under canopy to make sure you have and make sure you do at least a half flare when you grab them again to make sure they're clear so make sure you clear your toggles Uh, also remember you uh would never cut away under a thousand feet for any reason uh we call that the hard deck uh you need to pull your reserve get more fabric out um Beginners at Skydiving Forum. Facebook is a train wreck of information. <laughs> I sit there with popcorn and chopsticks. Have you seen <laughs> me eat popcorn with chopsticks in the office yet? I have not.
1: That's I'd, quite hilarious. I do. But uh, it's not it's a brilliant idea to keep your hands clean. Dude, well. we're on it keyboards
0: and, and analysis all day, right? Yeah. By the way, I have a thousand coffee stirs, so your coffee station has coffee oh, stirs you. now. I You're welcome, that. man. They're also my chopsticks for popcorn. <laughs> um
1: uh, Mini Fuck. chop chops, uh, chippy
0: chop chopsticks <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's
1: not absolutely yeah, exactly. you get it, you get
0: it, you get it. Um, I totally forgot where we were at. Back to my scotch, 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 so, scotch.
1: So, just to, to, to keep it moving, uh, and talking about the beginner sky and the beginner sky, oh, hold
0: well. on, beginner sky for Facebook is a train yes. wreck. Check out the Beginner Skydivers Forum. Um, It is a phenomenal place to ask questions. It's a phenomenal place to get information. It is one of the most productive skydiving Facebook groups, Beginner's Skydiver Forum forum. If you want to waste your time and completely melt your brain with toxic bullshit, us fun jumpers is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy it for all the wrong reasons. And yes, if you know me, I do troll. I watch the whole time. I'm sitting there lurking and and mocking and judging all of your unibrows. That's That's all I'm judging though is your unibrows, not your statements.
1: So, so Manson asked, um, any tips or advice? Uh, concerning recurrency for jumpers that took the winter or a longer portion off, um, and I think this is a really—I think especially some of the newer license, but you know, fifty to a hundred jumps, you know, the, <laughs> uh, hi Tommy Miller, they, uh, they, they, they take a, 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 you know, they may have to take the winter off, they may be, you know, coming back from an injury or something like that, and they get a little intimidated and a little, um, you, you know, just, uh, just kind of. Uh, Uh, Yeah. You just intimidated from coming back after a long break. So, you know, what, what are some of the things and, and, you know, Alex, since you're, you're obviously there all the time and you're seeing this and you, you, and, and of course, DJ with your experience, what are some of the things that those people can do to kind of alleviate uh, a lot of that apprehension and, and kind of that unknown when they, when they come back?
3: Yeah. um, I know DJ will probably have some pretty good points on this too. Uh, I know personally, I've never taken a break that long. I have taken a couple of months off here and there. And for me, just physically getting back on the drop zone and like getting back into that groove helps out so much. Being able to watch a couple of loads. um, If you have friends there, you know, watching videos or uh, just getting in touch with those people again and kind of getting back into the swing of things. And then, of course, if you have any kinds of questions, concerns, anything you feel like you need to retrain on, it's a great time to do it, right? Like, before you get on that airplane, like, make sure that you have <laughs> every, like every uh, mental box checked, you yep. know? Um, so, I, I
1: know that there's, you know, depending on your license and depending on uh, the the time, you know, there's going to be some, some mandates, some requirements of... Mm-hmm. of of what you need to do to kind of, to get back on the plane. But, um, but, but barring those, you know, and especially if even, even if you're not a new jumper, even if you've taken a few months off doing an injury and you got 500 jumps, you are D license jumper, like, look, your odds are you're, you're going to be getting out of the airplane and the skydive are not going to be the biggest issues. You're going to be able to fly just fine. You're not going to lose that much, um, you know, of your, of your skill set a little bit. But the biggest thing is being able to handle emergencies and making sure that your current, with your EPs and, and at least that that's my opinion. I, I would tell you you need to show up show up early and jump into malfunction junction with you know the students that are coming in that day. Don't feel like I, I jump into malfunction junction sometimes I'm on either side. Mm-hmm. You know and, and I think that that's that, that that's a great a great thing. And then make sure that you have a plan you know what? If you're with a coach, I would obviously you know be with a coach if you have to. If it's if it's really you know the 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 break's long enough to mandate that. But get with a coach. Have a good plan that you're very comfortable with. Um, you know, don't get, don't say, hey, I took six months off and screw it. Let's just do some head down stuff. You know, like <laughs> look, like just get out there, yeah. get your knees in the breeze, and 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 get back into it slowly. Don't you know? I I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it for taking a couple months off coming back from an injury and they'd be like, Ooh, it's been a couple months. It's actually during, you know, mm-hmm. during the COVID year, you know, too, yeah. I, was, I was actually, it wasn't, that one was an injury. I was flying and man, I just couldn't get a chance to make it out of drop. So it am probably been three months and I yeah. get out there and the whole point was like, let's just get an easy skydive. And then I have people, you know, like, Oh, I see people like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. They're like, Hey, we're going to go up on this freaking track. You want to go? And I'm like, Oh yes. Okay. But- and I, I did and it was fine <laughs> but like i probably should have made a better decision and, and and not done that so totally dj from from your very uh you know like your very logical you know thought process what what else could some of these newer guys do if they're if they're they're off on a break what, what's some of the best things they can do to come back
0: i was editing the uh computer setup and wasn't paying attention it's okay to what was going on. <laughs> um so uh a little a little disclosure for you guys i'm sitting behind the desk tonight because most of our setup is a newer computer a newer soundboard stuff that's not fully set up so tonight i'm actually back here setting up the rest of the equipment that needs to be done during a show so i'm sorry um i believe i heard most of what you guys said i apologize yeah um, so if I repeat anything they said, I do it all the time anyway. <laughs> so congratulations. Um, I think you really hit the nail on the head with emergency procedures. Uh, the hardest part about skydiving is fear and that trepidation. Uh, absolutely. It is the hardest part. Once we get past that, it typically is easy for us to, to do what we want to do in the sport. Um, whether it's a fear, of uh, failure, a fear of, uh, of death, you know, I say fear of failure. A lot of us are afraid that we're not going to perform to a standard we want to perform to, and that fear brings its own hindrances. And that fear actually can be detrimental to your safety. Um, um Alex is very much out there pushing his limits nowadays and in the best right ways he's getting a lot of coaching he's learning his limits he's working those limits he's training about those limits so when I, I say that I say it very respectfully uh, yes, he's, some people, he's just
1: pushing his growth I mean you're yeah, just yeah. you're pushing it, that growth beyond that that's great
0: exactly and and I see him when I when I say uh that that fear uh can be for performance failure and that can affect your safety and I'm not talking about a guy like Alex although he immediately analyzed it in himself and that that's why I'm not talking about Alex <laughs> um, is because the best guys in the world text, man, text to me is one of the best in the world. That guy is yep. just an unbelievable 100%. man, man. Yep. He, he's something else. Um, the best in the world will have that fear and that trepidation and we need to check it. Um, and once you can check it, you can put yourself back in order. A good friend of mine, mm-hmm. Jay Stokes, has always said that to his students, the difference between or we both have butterflies. The difference between you and I, yours are flying around in bonking heads, and me, mine are flying in formation. Yep. And and I've always been an, uh, an advocate of you know uh, train your replacements and make them better than you were. And Jay Stokes is a mentor to me, and he did everything to help me evolve and encourage me to continue evolve. And one thing I've done is for me that statement continues because I've put my butterflies in place. When I ask myself what if, I answer I will do this. What if? I will do this. What if I will do this? What if I will pull? The worst thing in the world, man. Alex and I are out shredding, having a great skydive, and shit just goes chaotic. If I have to pull to make that the answer, well, if this goes on, my best answer is to pull in the skydive. Stop the skydive, slow down the planet, give yourself time. But the point is, is facing those fears, talking about them, finding those answers, educating yourself on your emergency procedures. So when your butterflies start flying around, you catch them one at a time, you tell them what the answer is, putting them in their place, and you build that formation the way it's designed to be. So um, when somebody shows up to training for recurrency and they know their EPs, it is a walk in the park retraining them and I've retrained a fuckload of people from very short recurrencies to very long recurrencies. I've retrained the former lead instructor of Skydive Spaceland and did their recurrency jump and said, sorry, I want you to go through this process. At the at the whole time they were very grateful and thankful. And a couple times a malfunction junction said, You've changed my mind, you've changed my ideas, you've opened my eyes, you've given me a different understanding. Um, said at the beginning I agreed and wanted to do this but so part of me mocked and said this is going to be easy Um, my brain would have probably said the same thing Um, and in the end that person learned a lot sure. I, I still do all the time Uh, man when you can put those butterflies in check when you, when you can show up and you're ready you're easy to retrain because now we can focus on the fun shit and let's be real how hard is it to pay attention to fun shit when we're talking about right. it absolutely so how easy is it to pay attention to scary shit we're talking about Fear gets in your way and doesn't allow you to listen, man. Trepidation. So you, I think you talked the most about that. To me, that's the big thing. People who show up knowing the dive flow, knowing the skydive, knowing how to do everything, and knowing nothing about emergency procedures are the most difficult to get ready for a skydive and have the most to go wrong. Sure. Just because you have a high skill set doesn't mean things will be executed well. Most issues I've seen with recurrency jumpers are from ill-prepared but confident skydivers.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's about removing variables, right? I mean, there's a lot in skydiving that you can, you know, that you can, a lot of unknowns that you can remove well before you ever get on that plane. You know, you you understand your EPs, you know, your gear is good. You know, the dive flow, you know, the landing direction, you, you know what the winds are doing at that point. It's literally just executing and and that and then that's all you have to focus on is okay now i just have to hit hit play on this and make it go rather than i'm on the plane man did i check my gear and i probably should have checked that and what's the dive flow again what what are we doing oh man did anybody see the landing direction you know i mean that's all of these things you know can be solved and and to to dj you know to, to what dj said like all of that fear of that unknown can be removed 90% of that can be removed before you ever step on that airplane. And I think that's the biggest part. So man, I yeah, totally agree.
0: One of the things that we never address, I say, we never address, we rarely address is false expectations appearing real. That's, that's the acronym for fear. It's, it's a well-known acronym. There's a few other variations that are very similar said and done. Um, how do we overcome it? And it's setting those false expectations aside and that's the hard statement. It's a very easy thing to say. But how do you deal with putting those false expectations aside? Um, I'll start this one. You guys typically put me last in the conversation. I think think it's kind of cool you give me last word. Um, It's because you know I have a lot to say. (laughs) Um, But it's uh, um, accepting the journey, man. Accepting Mm. I don't know Mm. this. And that's what makes us exciting. I love being forced into focused breathing. I'm a huge advocate for yoga breathing and I don't care what version of yoga breathing you believe in, whether it's philosophical, religious or scientific man, breathing is a huge help to the human body, aerating the mind, slowing down the heart rate, doing everything. And then I do believe in the emptying of the mind and the soul. Um, man i love the journey of getting anxiety and getting anxiety that whole pia thing you you watch me ramping up for pia because oh, yeah. you were ramping up for shot show. shot show yeah and we were both on the same high one week behind each other but we both live off of it we both are like squeeze like laser focus squeeze yeah. like laser focus and get it done man so, so.
1: I, I you know is somebody and i cannot remember who said it and it's going to drive me nuts but you know one of the one of the things that's been bad around over the last few years is anything worth doing is worth sucking at you know, and that is worth being bad at. And, and what that means is that if it's really worth doing, then you're going to be bad at it, man. Like you're <laughs> going to suck at it, you know? And, and, and that's okay. And, and skydiving is actually what really helped me, uh, kind of deal with that, you know, because I had a problem with, well, if, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm just not going to do it, you yeah. know, like screw for it. Sure. It's, it's not for me if I mm-hmm. can't be good at it. Yep. And it's like, dude, that's a horrible attitude to have, you know, like there's, you're, you're, you're not good at a lot let's be quite <laughs> honest like i'm not good at a lot <laughs> so like uh-huh. but in order to get there you have to start somewhere and Definitely. so and and you know like like you said dj like that anxiety of 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 that you know kind of that that you're not necessarily fear, but that anxiety of getting better and not being good at it and is is great enjoying that journey i can't tell you how oh, many sure. times i've heard i've heard that enjoy the journey and it's hard to as, as a newer skydiver it's really hard to kind of you know rationalize that and wrap your mind around oh, what the hell does that mean? I'm just so fresh I can't get front layouts in the yeah. tunnel, you know, like, <laughs> For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but like, but then you look at it and you're like man all those little improvements and all those little things was so cool totally. because you got to you got to suck at it and then some little thing happened you know, that's so minuscule and it doesn't matter to anybody else, but it was so little, but then you're like, man, I, I sucked a little less, Yeah. you know, and that was such right. a big victory for me, but you get to do that all the time, you yeah. know, and that's so cool to, to have those little victories and these little shots of dopamine, you know, <laughs> to help you, through, you know, like, but yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: no, absolutely. You've been hitting the nail on the head. And I think the best part about that and the sport taught me a lot of this as well, um, that process doesn't stop. You can apply that to anything yes. you want to go out and learn yes. and once you're okay with sucking and being the new guy because I've I've had that like perfectionist mentality as well of like, okay, if I'm not going to be good at this thing, I don't want to do it. I don't want to feel that way personally and I don't
1: want people to see me
3: sucking at this yes. thing. Yes,
1: and that's the biggest problem For is sure. I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm I don't want to appear that I'm yeah that I'm bad yeah like no one wants to look bad in front of their friends or people they
3: don't know or just anyone in general but that's another <laughs> one another great thing about the sport is like half the time these debriefs happen on either like a laptop screen or a big tv <laughs> in the packing room where everybody <laughs> yes. can see it and if you mess up everybody's going to see it it's probably going to be in slow motion it's going to be paused <laughs> in space in spots where it's not graceful you don't look good at all and you just have to learn to be okay with that
1: yeah and and you know there's so much and this was once again mm. it, you know you're coming coming from a, a really team environment and into skydiving as well, the people that I respect the most and the ones that I want to be around the most are the ones where you come into that debriefing and before you even play it, be like, dude, I screwed that up, man. For sure. I, I I, nope, that was yep. me, that exit gap. Yep, that was all me. I, I cut in, I should, I should have presented more this way. And we haven't even played the video yet, you yeah. know, and, and it's, and, 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 and they're willing to put themselves out there to make sure that everybody knows, I know, um, and here's how we're going to fix it. And that's Most definitely. so cool. Rather you get
0: you get pulled into the good graces of everybody, man. It's one thing my father taught me growing up as a kid. No matter how bad you fuck up, own it as a man.
1: Yeah. Um, People respect that. And if they and if they don't, they're in the wrong place. Man, to,
0: I, sure. I, I've made some mistakes in my life. And it's cost me a large sum of money at times. <laughs> um, I've made some mistakes in life. And it's cost me different repercussions. And I've always stood up like a man and taken it like a man. And a the respect I earn is nice. That's a huge benefit, and I appreciate that. But the openness I receive from learning when I come in with immediate humbling of I fucked up. I'm gonna own it like a man. I'm ready to pay and learn. Yep, man. The shit I walk away from, the knowledge I walk away from. I do not think I'm the soundest businessman in this world. I am not shrewd. I am not smart. I am not great at business, but um, I'll make fun of my boy DQ because he likes to tease me and he says I'm going to be the next Elon Musk launching millionaires into space. Um, by no means am I that, but I'm the guy who's involved with a little bit of everything and just driving my friends to success. That's all I'm fucking sure. doing. Um, man, Lift I, as you climb. Yeah. I got here by humility i got here by admitting i'm wrong i don't know josh i work side by side with you we're not in the same company but we literally work side by side side. i I go into his desk regularly like hey i need your opinion of this and he's like that's a dumb idea dj uh he doesn't say that but he says that or he says i like it you know whatever it is
3: you just pop him with a launcher (laughs) like no (laughs) no
1: wait a minute no we gotta gotta draw the lines somewhere."
0: yeah Yeah, so that that openness at the beginning of a debrief but alex i think you're about to throw something on top of that sorry I, i cut you off
3: no totally just touching on like the type of person that it's easy to be around the person who has that humility um, is so much easier than being around the person who's the opposite of that. So, someone who's always covering up the mistakes or not admitting to them. And everybody can kind of feel it. Yeah, like when you can feel someone like covering that stuff up, it makes it so much more difficult to just embrace what's happening as a group or even just in close proximity well, to
1: somebody. And, and, you know, I'm in the competitive environment a lot and you don't have time. You don't have time to argue with somebody. Yeah, you don't have time. Sure. And I've been on teams with people that, um unfortunately are super defensive you know and they get defensive when you try to point something because they won't point it out and and you try to point it out and look look man we're on we're on back-to-backs in 20s man we got to fix this right i have three minutes to debrief fix this so we can go gear up i don't have time to argue you know with you and to point i need people that are going to come in and say look i screwed that up this is how i'm going to fix it let's go done yeah Yeah, totally.
0: Man, I want to move on to the next question, and this is actually a question I receive personally uh, from time to time. This is one of my biggest questions I receive as a coach. uh, It's not phrased this way but it is the question uh, how do you overcome mental blocks mental blocks uh come in all types so if you're listening to this mm. and you're scared you have a mental block if you're listening to this and you're flying advanced level shit high level shit and you can't get over a move it's a mental block if you are learning the next thing and you can't plant your first set if you can't get it There is a mental block. Mental block is not necessarily a negative statement. It is what it is and how we overcome it. I think Alex is, and I've been using you a lot lately, but I think you're in a a great growth place to share. Uh, recently actually I think hung up a little bit with progression and actually got a little bit frustrated. I could be wrong, but these are the things I think I witnessed and at the same time had a little bit of a mental block going on with his processes. He wasn't sure how to do certain things. He was overcoming certain anxieties. He was moving on and evolving as a coach and there was a lot for him to overcome. And as all those pieces fell into place, his progression started accelerating again. Is that... A fair observation?
3: Um, for the most part, I think yeah. in terms of like the personal progression, I definitely hit a spot where I wasn't quite sure what step was next. So it, it definitely like there was a point where I just didn't know where to go and finding good coaching was a great way to uh, open my eyes to
1: all the things that I didn't oh. know that I sucked at, but <laughs> had to start working on, you know? Nice. Um, we call that the red slice, the stuff I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I got to make that red slice smaller.
3: Yeah, most definitely. And then I think just in terms of, like, mental blocks as a whole, um, if it's any kind of, like, like, fear or training thing, of course, just getting good training and, like, having the fundamentals down so you can just open your mind up and then focus on like, okay, what's actually causing this block. And for a lot of times, um, for me, it, it, a lot of it can just be a humility thing and just looking at like, okay, uh, let's, at some point we can trace this back to the fundamentals and probably find something that I'm not as good as I thought I was at. So let's go back and retrain that thing. And then usually once you get back to that skill that you were getting hung up on, it's a little bit easier to, uh, to clean that thing up, and sometimes just getting a change of pace and just not hitting the same nail on the head over and over and over again when it's not working like helps yes. out a ton. Um, I
1: think so yeah. I think that's I think I think you 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 really said it there, and because I I would say that if you ever reach a block in any kind of skill base, you know anything, it's remove variables, master the fundamentals. Yep. That's that's what you need. To, 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 work on. And you said it, you said, you know, mastering the fundamentals and then taking a step back to remove some of the variables. All right. How, how can I really, you know, remove all that excess noise to focus on what is, is really the, what I think the issue is. And, and a lot of times mastering fundamentals, we always used to talk, you know, people have heard, maybe, maybe outside the tactical where they don't, but we always used to term, man, they got high speed and he's high speed, low drag. <laughs> you know, you okay. hear that thrown around a lot.
0: That's my head.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <Sweet! laughs> I see yeah, that's exactly right. That's all, all of our heads. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of
1: bald going on in here. So so, sorry. <laughs> so people would always, you know, I remember having an instructor ask, What what's your definition of high speed low drag? And he would go around the go around the room and people were like, Oh, it's somebody that's badass, you know, somebody that's slit and can do all this other stuff. And he's like, No. He's like the definition of high speed low drag is somebody is the is the mastery and, and demonstration of the fundamentals on demand. On demand. Somebody that can take those fundamentals at any on their worst Tuesday you know, and can just demonstrate them on demand. And I think that that and taking that to all aspects of my life, including skydiving, you know, getting those advanced stuff, getting that advanced that what we look at and be like, man, that is some next level shit. It's just doing the fundamentals better. I call it graceful execution (laughs) under fire. That's, that's, that's what it is. Yep, It's just somebody that does fundamentals better, faster, more efficiently, more effective than I do.
0: Man, something that people so I, I regularly preach the fundamentals. A good friend of ours, Braden Smith, he he is mm-hmm. uh, the the intro of our show. If you hear somebody talking shit, that's that's Braden introducing us. Um, it's actually time for us to update the intro and outro of the show. I am looking at new music, but I'm having a very hard time doing it. Number Fair. one, picking music. Number two, that's Braden. Braden was a large inspiration of the show. Thank you for raising a glass to my good friend, Braden Smith. Um, Braden, um, what well, came to me for can't be coaching doing 270s and he was doing fairly nice 270s they were clean they were good i wasn't upset with him at all after one jump i said hey man i'd like to take you to 90s i know this is going to seem mm. unorthodox i want to tell you why and he went with me at the end of the day i said let's throw out on one 270 at the end it was his best 270 he'd ever had at his own admission of course most skydivers will land from a high speed landing and think it was the best because anything high speed is fucking hair on fire <laughs> great like right <laughs> Um. Um. And I will tell you, it was a much more powerful turn that I've never seen him do. Going back to the fundamentals, the two the two things for him. Number one that last 90 of a turn is where you build some of the most power everything is climaxing everything is building mm. to that power move and i mean every <laughs> fucking sensual bit even, of even that the pilot <laughs> yes Eve, ethan even if you're landing downwind my man like, uh, uh, ethan's making some uh, us fun jumper comments over uh, here i love you brother uh the answer to your question ethan is at the bottom next to the sub i bet you get that and if you do you're oh, so horrible no no there's a meme somewhere out there that has oh, I'm uh, sure. there's a joke going together with all this it's sick human beings um so it was getting them to dial in the anchor that last point that power move and the problem was is, is is if you know you're 90 building to it is much easier if you don't know if you're intimate with your destination if you know every in and every out if you know every way to attack that destination Getting there is so much easier, and you can vary your route. And in a high-performance turn, varying your route up high is much better for power management than it is down low. Um, but here's what we also really did for him. We took him back to a place that he should be comfortable. We took him back to a place that should be confident. We took him back to a place he doesn't have to think. That boosts your confidence. Yep. Go do basic fundamental skydives that you shred at. Go do something that you're great at because A, those fundamentals are important to build on and that's something Josh was just talking about. But what it does for that mental roadblock, that hiccup, that that empowerment, you know, that success cycle, success breeds confidence, confidence breeds success. Mm. It's so powerful to empower yourself. And it's a good way is to go back and do dumb things. I recently started getting current again. I've recently gotten back into jumping. And if you're watching and you're paying attention, I'm doing small belly ways. Why? First of all, I want to jump with my wife. And that's been super enjoyable because I don't have very many jumps with Valerie. Um, I have more jumps with most people than I have with Valerie. It's very few people. I, I, you know, if you've done an AFF course with me, you've got more jumps with me than my <laughs> oh, wife does. Wow. <laughs> wow, you do about thirteen jumps to fifteen jumps with me in an AFF sure. of course. I don't know if I have that many jumps with my wife. Wow, That's, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might, I might be a liar, but um, you know, I've it's I been a long time. I don't so have twenty. Over the years. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't don't think I have 20, though. Uh, Dude, she's always known me as a working skydiver. I've always been a working skydiver since she's been on the drop zone. Mm -hmm. And then she turned into a working skydiver when she's on the drop zone. We we don't have time. It is it is what it is, uh, but the other reason I'm doing it is I'm going back to my fundamentals. I'm going back to my my foundations. I have some goals. I have some dreams. I have some ideas of what I want to try next. I'm not. I have zero goals or dreams of being a shredder. I'm not going to be Tex. I'm not going to be Alex DeGlopper. I mean, God, man, you're actually doing well for yourself, brother. Mad respect. you Seems surprised. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you're way surprised. too
1: surprised. You're yet.
3: actually doing it. Uh, yeah, I can't well, believe it. I appreciate
0: it. No, I mean, you, you're growing up, dude. Like you, you get this now. You will always be a brand new jumper to me.
3: Totally, I, yeah. I you have students understand. right
0: now who are actually and I say students, coaching students, you have people who are mm-hmm. jumping with you who are doing really well and you're kind of blown away because you still picture them as somebody who's getting their license
3: for sure, yeah, and it's definitely put things in perspective on my end too, of like I had to to kind of realize where I was at in the progression because there are plenty of times where I still feel like the same dude who rolled up in 2017, <laughs> still scared of everybody who knew more than me, you know so that's that's been a, a major uh, challenge mentally too of just ex- finding exactly where i can contribute and what
1: my skill set objectively looks like well um, that's you know and and, and everybody you, they throw around imposter syndrome a lot you know mm-hmm. and, and i'm sure that that's that that's part of it like like you always see yourself at a different level too because of your humility, you know, because you're not one of those ego skydivers. Not, and not that there's a whole lot of those, but you know, and that, but that's, that's in any part of life. Those, those big egotistical guys that have a much, and girls, I don't want to, you know, we're equal opportunity, (laughs) egotistical person. So, you know, that, that just have this much higher, um, uh, you know, view of themselves than they actually are, but you were very yeah. humble about your skill and your ability. And I, and I think that leads a little bit to the fact that sometimes you don't feel like, like dude, you, 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 your, your skill level is, is, you know, way up there.
3: So, well, I I really appreciate that. Yeah. I can't uh, like like at, I completely I'm, agree, but I, I, I totally because, understand yeah, what you're exactly. saying. <laughs> and that's a weird spot because when you're aware of the imposter syndrome thing too, it's 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 weird. Cause it, it doesn't make it any easier to deal with. It doesn't with make it any. It. E- nope. <laughs> and again, when you stress the fundamentals so much, and when I had those experience of, love, okay, now I know what I suck at. I need to go back and do this stuff. Um, going back to the fundamentals is a super humbling experience, and if you keep yourself there, I think that's the best place to be because exactly what you were saying earlier the people who are really good at this stuff can just do the fundamentals in their absolute sleep, yep. you know? Yep. That's um, it. but yeah, going back to that mindset is super humbling and I think it's, uh, I think it can be very beneficial.
1: <laughs> so do we want to, let's, I think we need to get a little weird, not, not weird, but like, uh, you know, like I want to, we've been way too serious on the show today. Uh, so I got a couple questions that can be quickly answered, but but I think that we need I'm to... I'm going to
0: start with the first quick one because Tropical yep. Space Camp is an interesting one this year. It's okay. an angle and canopy flocking. Tropical oh. Space Camp has become one of the premier, our good boy fucking, uh, 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 not monthly, uh, Chulo. Tex. Oh, Chulo. Chulo yeah. is really the founder of Tropical Space Camp and a fundamental idea, and he did it with some friends, and it's turned into one of the unbelievable concepts in Texas. Uh, led the charge the whole way with him uh, it's, it's unbelievable this year they're going from just angle flying and angle flocking and they're bringing in canopy flocking mm-hmm. uh, with a great guy Matt Leonard or uh, Ted oh, yeah. if you ever watch the movie um, and uh, God, Andy Plisco, I believe his teammate is going to be joining him Andy Plisco is an examiner Dude. and a massive canopy pilot uh, so super legit. awesome August August 24th through 27th uh, Madison Varner uh, Daniel I think asked that question but I'm just going to answer Matt <laughs> so <laughs> (laughs) Maddie man Madison is growing up dude you know she's a friend of ours she tags us on the show she tags us with what she does and Maddie thank you for including us as part of your life it really is kind of weird I I gotta be honest with you (laughs) to have a young teenage girl uh, like following your lives Uh, but it is an honor to watch you grow up because you are a unique individual and and please keep that humility you have and please keep that that work ethic you have you will continue to be an amazing person Uh, so yeah Varners there it is
1: you have one so th- I think this is, a, this is a question that probably a lot of people ask. A lot of people have, but no one will ask. Everyone's afraid to ask. So Melissa, you are so courageous for, for putting yourself out there to ask this question oh, yeah. that everybody <laughs> wants to know. Melissa asks, the donuts from the tandem area that are supposed to be for staff at what hour of the day does it become morally and socially acceptable for non-staff to eat them i <laughs> I, I would like alex courageous. to ask the answer that question yeah. first because you As are staff. the most staff of yeah. us oh
3: man that's that's a really tough one to answer because to me i don't know if the, i don't know if that that time exists you know it is for the staff but I, I guess i guess when it's hot out that time changes as well because the donuts are going through that spoiling process yeah
1: that just means they're warm all day it's
3: true <laughs> yeah so i would say i don't know afternoon for sure like no time before noon or one o'clock should that be uh on limits for for non-staff members <laughs> josh so let's,
1: let's say like 233 o'clock 2:30, that's when i start warming up to the idea josh yeah absolutely you know like Cause I know some staff eat those for breakfast and then some staff are just trying to feed themselves throughout the day. You know I mean? It's back to back on tandems and, and and AFF. And so like, even through that kind of lunch, you know, like if they Mm -hmm. need some sustenance and that's just what they can get their hands on, I want to let them, I want to let them do that. So I would, I would absolutely agree. Like, look mid afternoon, you've had your breakfast, you had your lunch, you've had your mid afternoon snack. If it's still there. Yeah. Fair game. Yeah. First of all, staff,
0: if you clean up after yourselves, people will stop coming to get your fucking donuts. Because I agree with the time frames you guys have given. Number one, number two, I go about ten or eleven o'clock. I feel like I'm an odd, weird. I, 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 I don't
1: staff, non staff. Yeah, I kind of right. Like I'm yeah. just
0: I'm, uh, I fit in a weird place. And at this point, <laughs> I, I know it's do. gone. And I'm usually <laughs> eating one of the last couple donuts. And there's empty boxes. And if y'all would just throw your empty boxes away and consolidate your donuts in one <laughs> box, I guarantee less people would show up because they don't think there's a lot of donuts there. It's the appearance of a lot of donuts that makes them come and they open the box and they see all the donuts have been eaten and then they go, oh, no big deal, then I can have one. But if there's only one box, even if there's only the same small amount with one box, the percentage of donuts left is still small. So
1: it creates the urgency it is a, it dude. it creates this is, the demand. This is basic supply. marketing.
0: Yeah. You know this shit, dude. This is our lives, man. <laughs> holy shit <laughs> um,
1: so A artificial shortage I
0: would shortage. put I, yeah I would put on the staff to clean up after your fucking self so I'm just saying number two I agree with your time and number three some of us are an exception to the rule and, I, and staff <laughs> I if you think shit. I'm getting into your donuts at 10 or 11 o'clock at, in, in the morning and that's wrong you know what I don't care <laughs> until Nick or Steven stops me then I'll stop sorry for you <laughs> I think do you uh, ten or eleven o'clock for me is fair. Uh, yeah, am, I, I th- am I feeling un- am no, I feeling I think, un-
3: falsely entitled? Uh, no, I think ten or eleven is fair because you have the first wave come through at what seven thirty eight o'clock, and that's mm-hmm. when like the people who want donuts have already gotten donuts by yeah. that time for sure.
0: And, and I'm I'm technically support staff. I really am staff to an extent. And the support staff, I can come when I want, go when I want, do what I want. I'm not bound to the DZ I do to what some obligation. I, I do what I want. Whatever you can't I do tell me what what whatever. I'm You're not stringing. my real <laughs> parachute. <only. laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, I, I get some title privilege to it. Mm. Um, I mean, hell, I will be teaching most new jumpers first jump courses in the future. Just saying, Ayo. uh, we, we, uh, shot almost everything Tuesday. Nice. Uh, wow. Nick has three weeks to edit and in three weeks he will tell me what we need to reshoot. Cause of course we'll have some fills. Of um, we're timing it off the time. He wants my beard, my hair, everything to look the same. My beard, my hair, it's the same fucking thing. <laughs> you
1: gotta um, have like a continuity guy to make yeah, sure yeah, he everything's doesn't want the same. My, well, like he's like, have the same
0: barber. So I'm like, well, dude, I got yep. my my beard cut a week ago. It was cool. Then in four weeks, so three weeks, I'm like, all
1: right. There's a reason that in all my videos, I wear one of two shirts, so I don't have to think about what yeah. I was wearing in the last yeah, week. Well, <laughs> like the one. So them. you know it's which LB shirt I wore,
0: but yep. now the hat I wore has a white patch on it. You know the the Texas Ranch Road hat mm-hmm. I've been wearing? It's got a white. I can't wear it Love now it. because it's going to get dirty. Yep. So my fucking like hipster in the no s- sneaky, cheeky, do you know Wimberly hat, <laughs> I can't wear can't wear a hat that i actually really like so because it's got to be clean three knit. that's right yeah, that's right yeah. motherfucker um what's the next cheeky weird there, thing
1: uh we, we can go really cheeky weird hold on um i mean we could indulge in gulo. oh
0: jacob um hold on one second i feel like y'all should have some donuts for just the swoopers hashtag wing loading <laughs> never mind james Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we can (laughs) indulge Angulo, who asks an extraordinarily pertinent skydiving question that I think is very important. If animals could talk, which one would be the rudest? And one, I I really appreciate your very pointed and skydiving question. And two, we all know it's a cat. Why are we even asking this question? (laughs) (laughs) I don't agree it would be the cat. Because the cat wouldn't fucking speak to you more
0: than <laughs> when the cat would have something to say to you it would be Some putting you in your place body language but the cat more than often not that like, mm.
1: criminal side eye
0: yeah exactly so i'm gonna go to a coal store i'll be right back um <laughs> uh, uh
3: so i don't think it's the cat alex what do you think i think just any animal from venezuela right doesn't <laughs> no i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think City Josh cats. had a really good point with uh, with the cat, but you also bring up a really good point so I'm, I'm caught in the middle. I have no idea. Um I think I think a French bulldog would be the rudest because I feel it's like, French. But it's still a, but it's, <laughs> French. it's yeah, it's still French, but it's still a dog deep down. Yeah, I can not imagine just, a dog being the rudest. No. Even a mean dog, it's it's still it's a it's still a dog. Guy. Do hornets and wasps count as like animals? animals? That's it actually sucks. a really good question, yeah, but because ants for me like they fuck me up. So. It depends. <laughs> Ants? Depends like, on how much a, you're drilling a, down
1: into the animal kingdom yeah, here. Like, there's a whole lot of genus on top of an ant hill.
0: Hippopotamus have you deadliest, seen deadliest deadliest animal on the planet have you seen a hippopotamus go at something
1: yeah deadliest animal on the planet kills yeah, more yeah, people yeah. per year than anything else yeah that hippo, would be the root yep.
0: if they had something to say they'd be like Fuck they, don't you,
3: they don't necessarily give me the malicious vibe though they're just that's the that's, whole thing you're have like you seen oh the, have a you seen hippo and you? then you're dead yeah true but d- does that make do you think that they would be the meanest animal on the be planet rude. then or they, i feel like they would be a little classy about it like, <laughs> you know, like, i just think that they'd they, be super cute they don't like, strike until, me as shit talk
1: yeah i think of like a uh, scar from the lion king he was <laughs> okay. super rude yeah you know, as a lion yeah all right so uh you know back to and i, and I wanted to make sure i answered this question just because she was nice enough to ask it she's oh, hippos killing stuff Are we brought tell me that? he's
0: no i can't because it's youtube or no. something tell me he's not talking shit Tell me... I water buffaloes putting up a... Frame. Tell me that. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's like, what hippos look like when they attack. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's what I'm basing... Tell me that's not the rudest fucking that animal in the world. That is pretty
3: terrifying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's Hank when he but hasn't there's, there's recently. just recently. Like, oh, there's a horrible.
3: certain level of sass there that's just not... I don't know. There's... It, it, I don't know what it is. It just... Uh, yeah. It's not the angriest or the the rudest animal on the planet for me.
1: Next. So uh Kim asked, and this is this is obviously pointed at me, but Who's I just want to make Kim Regan. So uh she's a jumper up in Northeast, she's competitive, she does four ways. Eight ways no,
0: progress. I know Kim Regan. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, dude, I've spent uh, uh some good times with Kim it's Scott okay. yep. in Chicago and Ottawa. Uh her and Val competed her and Val excuse me, meddled in eight way together. Oh,
1: see there uh, you so. go. Wait a
0: minute, hold on. Kim Regan? That mm-hmm. might be a different Kim. Um, mm-hmm. is there Kim Hager? There Hager. is. Yeah,
1: I got to look up which one. Which one you <laughs> should be teammates with
0: Dave Grabowski? Hager. Kim Hager. Okay, then it's yep. Kim Hager I'm thinking of.
1: Uh, but Kim, we're going to ask, uh, how has becoming a pilot changed you as a skydiver? And I think that's, that's a really good question.
0: He's always been arrogant.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, Well, now I just, <laughs> I have to interject the fact that I'm a pilot into conversations and not just a skydiver. Yeah. So it just gives me more to interject into conversations, <laughs> but no, it, it's definitely given me a better appreciation for the, the, the skydiving operation as a whole and, and really what goes into making a successful skydive and, and understanding that making a successful skydive doesn't start with me exiting the plane or even me planning the jump. It starts with how the jump runs flown with everything that has to go into it, you know, kind of as, 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 as an operation as a whole, but then it also, it's really helped me, um, you know, make better decisions as a skydiver because I have a broader understanding of, of everything that goes on and, and the effects of, weather and wind and all this other stuff and and uh but but i think the biggest is just an appreciation for you know what it takes and what the pilots i I think a lot of us and i don't want to i don't want to say a lot of us take the pilots for granted but a lot of us we just don't know what they do and we just like get in the plane and start it let's go you (laughs) know like why why aren't you in the plane (laughs) you know like there's a lot that has to go into it you know and there's a lot that goes into the planning and and planning jump run and planning the the spot and You know, and especially at a at a turbine drop zone where things happen a little bit faster, and you've got a lot more people in the plane to deal with, and, and and then there's a lot of you know regulatory aspects of it too. You know, there's a lot. You know, if if technically speaking, if you get out of the plane and punch a cloud, you know, and violate you know violate a, an, an FAR that way, like what's the the worst thing that's going to happen to you is I mean, literally the worst thing that could possibly happen is maybe your license is suspended for a little mm-hmm. while, but your skydiving license, the thing you do for fun on the weekends, like yeah. pilot can actually have his license suspended, revoked, administrative, you know, sanctions, all this other stuff can happen. To and him, wait so. a
0: minute. Hold yeah. on a second. Easily six figures to get that license oh. to the point to yep. fly
1: jumpers. Yep. hundred ha- percent. Yeah. yeah. E- <laughs> I, I've, absolutely. I've been there, yeah. <laughs> like, so like, yeah. I, but you're, ab- you're absolutely right. So there's a lot more riding on what he's, you know, riding mm-hmm. on what's happening. So just a bigger appreciation for that, I think is, is the biggest thing. So, yeah. but that's any part of the, the skydiving operation. Once you start getting involved, in the operation as you know not just a fun jumper but you're you know not necessarily working but you're just involved in what's going on you start to develop this appreciation for everything that it really takes logistically and support side to to really make that drop zone you know turn every day i mean you you know you obviously you've been in that grind for a while now and you you see it firsthand of you know it's 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 a lot of fun and it's but you know, a lot of those days are grind, and you just have to, you know, get in there and, and and grind it out. So for sure, before you became a pilot, like how much
3: knowledge had you built up as a skydiver in terms of like upper winds, jump run spot? Did you ever like, if I was the pilot, I would do it this way, uh, or, or did oh you all yeah, yeah. that? Like when not not saying like uh like the pilot should have done this or should have go to water or anything like that. But just like,
1: what was your knowledge base that you brought into it? Definitely. I can tell you that it definitely gave me, it definitely assisted me going through that process, okay. understanding, yeah. you know, uppers, understanding winds, understanding weather, understanding, a, you know, a little bit of the fars and stuff like that yeah. as a skydiver absolutely 100% helped uh you know through the process as a pilot so that's
3: good because yeah, yeah. not all skydivers build up that knowledge you Yeah, know? they just kind of get on the plane and get out which you're allowed to do for sure at, it's not necessary. necessarily green light comes set. on yeah you know exactly. like <laughs> <au> our <revoir>, war <so. laughs> may the odds be ever in your favor <laughs> yeah. i guess yeah. for sure
1: yeah <laughs> but then mm-hmm. i i talk you know being a being a demo skydiver too like there's mm, true there's also a lot of that that people don't you yeah. know people don't uh you know that take for granted at a big drop zone like SpaceLand, where the light turns green and you can get out. Like when you have to figure out where to make that light green, like you get a whole new appreciation for anything, yeah, it. Yeah, and you have all of that pressure now of like oh, I'm yeah. running the
3: show. Oh like, yeah, I'm making the, <laughs> like, I'm making the decisions. Six
1: thousand. Oh yeah, well then I've got six thousand people watching me do it. So, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, you got another question back there, DJ? I mean, I've got another one, but I, I want, want
0: you to repeat Kim's question one more time for me.
1: It was. How has becoming a pilot changed you as a skydiver? And it was really just – the biggest overarching was um, just a bigger appreciation for everything that goes into making that operation run.
0: Okay. I I just – I wanted – yeah. Um, I have a couple more uh, coming from a couple people, but I want to see what else you have because you have a couple quick punch fire ones. Mine might not be that way. Okay.
1: Let me go back to – is it uh, there, there's another, this is a woof question, but uh, but I think it bears, uh, I think it bears the answer and we can answer it pretty quick. And they ask, how many tandem jumps are required before jumping solo or does it depend on the skill level? And the reason that I think this question is important is, is I think there's a general misconception that tandems is the only way right. to get to solo, and and even still, you know, I think that a lot of people, a lot of skydivers, especially those that maybe came out to SpaceLand and did a tandem and then did a second tandem, and now they're going through FJC, think that that's the only way to get there. And I, and and um, I, so I think it, it bears mentioning that while yes, at Skydive SpaceLand, in order to get into to SDP, you need to do two tandems. There are other ways to get there, aren't there?
0: I started with Accelerated Freefall. Um, mm-hmm. I went through an eight-hour first jump course. It is a little bit longer than a solo transition class because uh, solo transition class, you have tandems and you're transitioning to transitioning to a solo skydiving progression method like AFF, Stackline, or IAD. I started. IAD,
1: not IED. Yeah, IAD, instructor assisted deployment, Just making sure
0: an important difference there. um, (laughs) (laughs) I almost yelled culturally
3: insensitive things. Uh, Oh, uh, no. um, no. So I
0: uh, did AFF. So the first jump course is a little bit longer because because you're not familiar with anything skydiving right away.
1: Because you didn't make a tandem before that, right? No, you don't no. have to.
0: My first jump, I had two instructors with me. My entire student progression was with two instructors, and then from there, coaching did not exist in, in the time and place. Uh, formally, uh, fortunately, there were people getting into coaching. At the time, Skydive U was, uh, was the really only form of belly coaching past AFF that existed. Um, and some of my friends or, or instructors there were also Skydive coach, view skydive coaches, so they were able to to... Put some formal knowledge to your head and help you out a little bit more but th- that was it and to this day basic aff programs still exist basic static line programs still exist they are still out there uh tandem progression is doing tandems first and then progressing into solo uh progression solo student some tandem prang- so tandem progression is technically tandems into uh two instructors Tandem transition is tandems and a single instructor, and you transition into different places based off of each program. In other words, you go back to die flow one or jump one, or you pick up in the middle of the program and continue from there. Depending on the number of instructors you have, actually depends on how they deal with it. Tandem progression, you go to two instructors who release you right away if you earn it. Tandem transition, you yeah, go to one terrifying. instructor. It does. Yeah, you go to one instructor. And you get held on to the entire time because we want to see, does this information translate and transition over for you? Um, I am a huge advocate and fan of two instructor tandem transition transitioning to one instructor tandem transition. But it is a very difficult thing for businesses to implement. And I understand the, the, the complexities of it because I've, I've written some of these student programs um i am curious so so those are some of your basic options i'm curious to your takes first of all your first jump was a 10 your first jump was a same cool so you don't have you have a limited resource uh scope of knowledge Mm -hmm. knowledge. what do you think okay everybody's different but if you had to recommend one or the other and, and the sport had to resolve to one or the other which one's better
1: I think t- I, I do think that tandem gives you a certain level of stress indoctrination, right? So um, I, I feel like stress indoctrination, meaning basically expose you to a certain level of stress, so that you're you can physiologically and psychologically deal with it a little bit better. Um, because I mean, how many people go on a tandem and don't remember a damn thing about yeah, it? quite a lot. I mean, <laughs> be- and that's that's completely normal because there is a there's a lot going on, you know. Uh, physiologically with you and and managing that stress that you're not going to remember a lot of it. And even on your second tandem, you might remember a little bit more, but maybe 10%, maybe at best of of what happens. So I I, I do feel that that tandem progression allows somebody else to be in pretty much complete control, you know, 98% of control of Mm -hmm. what's going on. And but allows you that that time to indoctrinate yourself to that physiological stimulus or that that external stimulus to your physiological system to uh, to allow you to kind of indoctrinate yourself so that by the time you're you're doing that solo jump you're you're able to 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 process a little bit more but um, but I also I also feel like static hold, and, hold yep. on
0: man I just just because I want what IED. you're saying IED, just because of what you were what you were <laughs> saying that that fear indoctrination Back to false expectations appearing real, you get to the point where you have an earnest, honest expectation. Tandems take all the frills and thrills of skydiving and limit the amount of responsibility Mm -hmm. to allow you to make the most of, of the experience and take away the most of the experience. And for years I've believed, and I still believe to this day, airborne paratroopers, guys who just got airborne qualified, just did your basic uh, few jumps, and that's five all jump, you've done. Jump. Yeah, five jump chumps, uh, are either the easiest to take on skydives or the hardest. They're the easiest because the fear of leaving an airplane, they have that understanding, and because of that understanding, they can process what they're about to do and what they're going to do and what they're actually doing much better. They're the hardest because some of them have been drilled in their brain the exit body position of a paratrooper so well, which is the absolute
1: oh, worst
0: backwards <laughs> version of an arch. I mean, it literally is. I was just say it's
1: like, like, like hey, arch. please put me in a side spin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, if it, you wanted to put me in a side spin, yeah. it would be this. That's wow. like. <laughs>
0: I watch the purple, I watch the orange and black YouTube, and that's the position I see in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> Alex processed the orange and black YouTube. Yeah, I get Let's go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that, that indoctrination is such a good point. You were still saying, though?
1: But I, I do think that IAD uh, instructor-aided deployment, uh, which is basically static line to a certain extent. It's I mean, static
0: line progression of the deployment system is what changes.
1: So that that helps... Because it, it doesn't you stress, but it limits, once again, limits your responsibility. I don't got to worry about free fall. I'm literally just worried about flying this canopy. So I get a little bit of that whoop of that free fall, literally a couple seconds, and then I'm under a canopy. So now all I've got to worry about is flying this canopy. I don't got to worry about pulling. I don't got to worry about, you know, really monitoring my altitude, high speed altitude. So, um, so I do think that there's a lot of merit. I think there's merit to all of them, but, um, but yeah, I, I do feel like tandem is, is probably the most effective way to go.
0: You should teach a canopy course to a static line student. Fucking a dream, bro. Dude, they spent six
1: jumps focusing
0: on just canopy flight. Tando- static line yeah. progression people, they know how to fly parachutes,
1: motherfucker. I remember years ago, several years ago, right before COVID, when a bunch of smoke jumpers came out. Yeah. Yeah and got their license and those guys are you were you there. Yeah, uh, no, I wasn't there. So, Sorry. you know, and so smoke jumpers are the firefighters that will that will jump the force firefighters that will jump into, you know, uh, forest fires force. Forest fires, <laughs> it's like, hey, we're you're in a static line, but they're on a they're on a square parachute um, because they have to hit a mountaintop in a you know clear, fire in a clearing that might be like 40 yards square where everything is on fire <laughs> so like <laughs> if you if you don't hit it it's like oh i didn't get my accuracy landing no you burned to, death. to like, death like
0: yeah. so, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah. i missed the, on yeah. the demo the stadium i land in the parking lot yeah, no, I'm, no, on no I'm on fire
1: so these guys literally came out and just weren't like like you could have put a tough it out there and those guys would have just nailed it, nailed it nailed it nailed it nailed it every time so i can imagine that like teaching those guys at Campy Poling course would probably be all right. So yeah. super super easy.
0: You also have limited experience and knowledge, but what would you recommend?
3: I do, and uh, we've kind of touched on some things that I agree wholeheartedly on, and I think the right program for the right person will vary just based off of whatever past experience people are bringing into the situation. Um, You mentioned like exposure to stress and stuff like that. I came in from nothing fancy, but a little bit of like an extreme sports background. So I was a little familiar with like stress and how to manage it and what consequences are if you do something wrong, if you don't train properly or whatever. So the first two tandems weren't, pretty chill overwhelming in the sense <laughs> of of risk and reward and and just the training mentality of it but i'm still glad that i had had those experience because yeah it took the responsibility away and i could just go like do the bucket list thing and have fun skydiving right. as a as a tandem student that's an interesting way to times.
1: think about it i like that yeah
3: for sure but i i think if we could only do one thing starting with tandems for sure just because if you take someone who's already pretty capable and put them through a couple of tandems they're still going to learn things on mm-hmm. those skydives. Um, that's but i can point. i can see all of the different methods having the perfect fit for whatever individual Chooses that that route and is right for it you know some
0: of those decisions are drop zone uh necessary yeah. and because i don't think a lot of them true are. uh you know uh lexington texas skydiving is using a tandem transition because they can put the most students up at once mm-hmm. and for them a it is a business david and uh, david's running a business but i don't think david is running a business to get rich um david is running a business to promote teach and get good skydiving out there and the more students he can get in his plane the more he can grow the culture and in, in, in his society Um, For many drop zones, they accomplish it through static line. There's drop zones who don't necessarily want to do static line, but I can put three static line students in the plane with one static line instructor. Yep. I can do that for six jumps or five jumps or whatever it was. For first two
1: inch, I don't need basically an entire plane for one student in mm-hmm. yeah. a 182.
0: And operationally, that's a huge difference. And and, and 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 progression of your school, that's also a big difference. So mm. things go really well. I say four or five, six jumps, man. It's something like 10 jumps they can do static line. Really? Yeah, because you do a couple on a no. static line. Uh, you do a couple on a static line with practice handle throws. Like, And then sometimes they'll rig a fake pilot shoot oh, to throw. Cool. Uh, Then you'll do like a five-second delay, then a 10-second delay. And those early delays, your instructor doesn't fall with you. They just watch you because
1: there's no point. And they can't Mm
0: -hmm. do anything to save your life. They just have to observe. And it's easy to observe a five-second delay from a plane. Um, May the odds be ever
1: in your favor.
3: (laughs) 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 Remember everything I said.
0: So I will agree, (laughs) said and done, to each their own. And I'm glad they exist. But if we had to go to just one, I used to think differently. Today, I agree with both of you guys. And I agree with both of you guys for very good reasons and actually i'd say i'd lie i still think two different ways in a real world situation i would probably take aff because mediocre training doesn't create as severe issues so i used to be an advocate and i know a lot of aff examiners or tandem exam aff examiners who don't like uh tandem progressions and, and there's an example video out there of a girl who goes out on an AFF jump. This is in the student training, the real life scenario, the, 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 the case studies. Uh, and she's got a great body position and, and partway through free fall, her feet and knees go together and her feet go up on her butt. And now she's backsliding like a mad dog and the instructors are going for a little bit of a ride, working with it and, and managing it. Um, and for reasons mm-hmm. like that, you know, so I, I get that. But that's bad training. That's not a bad system. So if training can be good, with good training, man, as tandem instructors, teach your students the proper body position. Man, that 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 first come, first serve in that memory bank, that is what we learn. First, Theory of primacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah primacy, recency, it, it is the first thing we see. Commonly, the first thing we see, the first thing we hear is what our brain reverts to. So if you teach your student a proper free fall body position, chances are if they progress they're going to be better for it and chances are they will do better for you because my student who has their feet on their butt might pin my drogue in the pouch and make it a hard throw for me and it's happened many times never to me um I've been a huge advocate of teaching my students. They still put their feet on my butt because I hear somebody else say it. Um, But I've seen quite a few videos of hard drug throws and students' feet Mm. were on that. And Alex, every day you hear, put your feet on my butt. Yeah, for sure. I never even thought about that, but it's... Now, I will tell you those STP instructors absolutely know the difference. As a former both instructor, I know what instructors taught good body positions when I put a student on a creeper. When I took a student on an AFF jump, when when Brian Clark, who was not an AFF instructor, who was not an STP instructor, when somebody said my instructor was Brian Clark... I had confidence in their performance skills because he's going to pass them appropriately, and train them appropriately. There were AFF instructors who gave me bad students. So I'm not saying it's your training. I'm saying it's your fucking execution. <laughs> Get fucked, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not gay, but I'm pretty sure I know how to suck cock. I mean, you don't have to have a rating or a license or be somebody to have recognition of good skill set.
1: That so. is the best and worst example It is absolutely of, of that yeah. of that point. It really paints a picture. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very visual person,
3: so every time something is said I picture it even for a brief moment. And that completely caught me off guard. You took me you took me to a place. Man. To a place. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's the truth, man. You're absolutely no, right. I, I totally right. understand. Yeah, right. Um I'm going to go to a next question. Are we are we good on that last question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and my my next question. We might go a little bit over time tonight, but everybody okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Nick's not here, so we're okay. Nick turns into a pumpkin at a certain time. That's fair. No, Nick has the weirdest schedule. I was just say God, the
1: guy gets up at like two thirty or whatever. Yeah.
0: The guy starts working out. Yeah. The guy, he, like when he wakes up, he's already bench pressing stuff. And goes, I was, "Oh, yeah, I look, yeah. I got ten reps in already." <laughs> His <Shred>. body <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, I was supposed to do that. Uh, uh, Jacob Henderson was asking a silly question earlier, but he threw out a, a whole list of questions. Uh, I'm going to start with. Uh, any uh, uh, taking orthopedic surgeon recommendations, uh, if you are, he, he was just kidding because he was asking questions about changing canopies, and we'll address those for real, uh, but orthopedic surgeons, uh, Timothy sorry. Sitter, if you are in the uh, Houston area, uh, Methodist Sugarland has <laughs> an orthopedic surgeon, Timothy Sitter, Dr. Sitter had did my shoulder surgery, uh, Dr. Sitter has done surgeries and been the orthopedic consultant or, or surgeon for many of our skydiving friends, Uh, Most people who had my shoulder injury look at me and say, you'll never be able to raise your hand above this high again. And my surgeon also said that's very true unless you do what our physical therapist tells you to do. And your physical therapist, it's one of the roughest physical therapy regimens you have is shoulder and hip. Those, those are the two worst. Um, I've been through a shitload of 15 broken bones. So I've been through a shitload of physical therapy in my life. That's as high as you can raise it. And if you're not watching me, I'm raising it probably 30 degrees above the You're horizon. raising it
1: probably at an inappropriate angle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm
0: going to I mean not <laughs> yeah. enough hand for Th- that Think one. of you a... Uh, loo- uh, loo- uh,
1: loosen it up a little bit.
0: <laughs> think of a misguided uh, dictator with a short mustache. <laughs>
1: Round coat. Uh, but right
0: now, if I raise my hand straight up and you look, you probably don't think there's any limitations. Sure. Until I do this and you can see there's actually limitation. Um, Dr. Sitter, man, orthopedic surgeon. Uh, Jacob, I know you were joking and having a good time, but to any Houstonian... Um, <laughs> it's got my ortho moved, sitter, so
1: I, I can always... Sure
0: yeah. dude. I And yeah. I've gone to him for issues. First of all, he's not going to be a bitch. I went to one orthopedic surgeon. I needed a surgery, and he would beat around the bush about it. Dr. Sitter will tell you if you need a surgery. He's not afraid of lawsuits. He's a man who fucking stands That's up and does about. his job. Yeah. He's yeah. confident but not cocky. At the same time, he'll tell me you're being a bitch. You need to do more physical <laughs> yes. therapy and get this shit taken care of of. of um he is he he's never said it to me that way but he said it to me right he's like like this is what you gotta do for this problem um doctor sitter um i recommend him um it's it's He is one of the surgeons at Methodist, and, and our nurses told me this, but no, Valerie's co-worker's uh, spouse's work, one of spouse's work at Methodist, Dr. Sitter is one of the known doctors for the Methodist uh, system in Houston. Like, if you work for Methodist, this is who you go to. Nice.
1: So, there you go, man. If you're but that Houston, was part of a bigger question, wasn't it? Yeah, the bigger question important.
0: is is how to read a windsock No, that wasn't it. <laughs> Uh, Just remember, if
1: it's fully erect, somebody's getting fucked.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, and if it's whipping, somebody's getting spanked. That's right. I, I, if it's fully out, somebody's getting fucked. If it's whipping, in other words, very turbulent, somebody's mm-hmm. getting spanked. Uh, any advice, tips? Oh wait a minute! I'm switching to a katana soon. Mm. Any advice, mm-hmm. tips, okay. tricks for packing openings and learning steeper sight picture? Um, first of all, um, um, I think we've
1: all probably flown katanas. We're, yep. Uh, yep. no, yeah. um, oh, really?
0: I, I do have, I do have some jumps. Yeah. Um, by the time katanas came out, I was already transitioning across races. So, uh, katanas, I literally had just transitioned. Katanas of, were coming out. It's like a
1: few, few hundred jumps on a katana. Yeah, as, um, yeah um, a couple hundred. And, yeah. yeah,
0: I got maybe 20 just to have it. I, I get 20 jumps on most canopies for the experience of, of coaching mm-hmm. them. Um, um, thankfully, uh, and I'm not trying to mock the katana, but uh, modern technology, modern canopies, there are so many wonderful canopies out there, and opening characteristics are being tamed. The fact that manufacturers, there is absolutely a compromise in opening characteristics. And typically, as you tame opening characteristics, you're losing performance characteristics. And for some odd reason, there's a fine balance between those two points. And proof positive is that some of the most winning canopies are notoriously known as some of the worst opening canopies. Hmm. And the canopies that tame them down come close behind them, but not quite there. Uh, Absolutely, positively, the pilot matters. The pilot makes a big difference. So champ's a champ on most any wing. Um. So it, historically, look at those facts and tell me I'm wrong, and please prove to me I'm wrong. But historically, those are the facts. And talking to the designers and the engineers over the years, I'm friends with quite a few of them. I firmly believe that statement. Um. And logically, in aerospace design, it makes sense. Um. So uh, fortunately, that's changed. Um. Uh, Katana. Um. Any advice for tips, tricks for packing? Um. Okay. Man, I have never packed a chop. I have ten thousand pack jobs i have a fuck load of stiletto <laughs> pack jobs one of the most spin stilettos. yeah yep. mm-hmm. open canopies i've never packed i've never packed a cutaway um i have packed limited amount of line twist on canopies period um i don't do shit yeah. um i i count the nose i separate it i flake it, and that's one thing I do, is I flake it symmetrically because mm. when I lay it down, I don't want any weight to go to one side or the other in the bag. As I fold it and put it in the bag, I want everything to stay centered. If it doesn't stay centered, and, and when I say it doesn't stay centered, if your nose gets a skewed and opens into the air skewed, that's going to promote worse openings. People talk about, I quarter and seat my slider. It's all I do is I just quarter. You don't need to do anything special or fancy to your slider. My nose, I don't do anything fancy. This is fancy because it's basic fundamentals. I seat the nose against the canopy. As you've cocooned your canopy, as you wrap your canopy out, you push your nose to where that is. No deeper, no shallower. Picture your canopy cocooned. Picture the nose sitting at that point. Now, as you lay your canopy down, your nose is laying straight to the ground. The canopy cocoon or walls holding your nose vertically as you pack it away. If you stuff your nose in, now as your nose gets cocooned, it's going to get restricted. It's going to get pushed one direction or another. It's going to change the way the cells are oriented. And now they're going to inflate asymmetrically or present asymmetrically. If your nose is out further than that cocoon, it's going to lay down and it's going to lay one weird way or another. Um, I do have one trick I do use. Um, this is on a very old PD packing video that never really got, uh, released or pushed far, but it made it around quite a bit, but the internet wasn't big back then. Um, back in my day, (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, uh, the internet wasn't, wasn't that big, uh, back then. Uh, and actually I feel like this is is, is a huge help and sorry, if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's going to be hard to picture. If you go back to the podcast and look, or or the video look somewhere around the minute 40 mark, and I'm going to be a little bit off. I'm using a ballpark. Uh, you take the nose and let's, it's a nine cell canopy. You leave the center. So before I seed it flush, take the center cell, leave it where it is. Take the outer four cells on one side and fold them one eighty. And so literally this is the nose this is the nose the ground would be that way and you fold those outer cells 180 literally 180 fold on the opposite side of the nose you do the same thing you fold them in 180 and what that does is it allows your nose to sit down forcing only the center cell to present open and the rest of them get a better chance to to uh, to to play out to, to 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 pay out evenly or to open and disperse evenly or to open and, and uh That is literally the
1: only thing. I mean, that is exactly what I do. I did with my Velo, my VK. And other than that, yeah. Yeah, that's, but that's exactly what I do with my nose. But other than that, just make sure it's symmetrical. Other
0: things that matter to erratically opening canopies, Uh, velocity is known for this. You know how many times I got, I got thousands of jumps on velocity. I've had line twists on velocity. I, I've had line twists in my life. I would be shocked if it's over five times. Yeah, no doubt it's less than ten. I have eighty five hundred jumps. I,
1: I had Great pretty solid. solid. I, 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 had, I, had, per, I had fine openings on my view, yeah, yeah. Though, but that's just me. Yeah, Apparently yeah. no, enough,
0: it's I'm not that. just you. Uh, it, it, it's what you're doing. Uh, back fit a, a good buddy of mine, Phil, was having atrocious openings and atrocious problems with. With he was jumping a Zaus back then, and we called chaos a zouses. Mm. Um I had a new Velo 96. I was having dreamy openings. Uh and then I had shit opening. And then I had shit opening. And I had shit, and it had three shit openings in a row. What changed? Well, when I got my new Velo, I got a new rig. With that new rig, everything stayed the same except for the bag size. And when I first jumped that new rig, I kept my Velo in the old rig's D bag, jumped the old rig's D bag which it fit. Just comfortably, mm, just right. I see. The new rig's D bag was a little too tight because the new rig was made for something else. Right. But I wanted to jump it with my velo. I put the bag on it. Tight bag fit. Kept getting crappy openings. Changed the old bag. Got better openings. Suggested the fill same problem. Uh, it's a very it's a very commonly known thing amongst some of, of your more experienced campy pilots. Bag fit, the way your campy pays out of the bag. I mean, think about it. If it's getting yanked out of the bag unevenly, it's got a chance of fucking that opening up uh back that is a huge thing um and another part of the question he asks and i'll let you guys uh answer this next because i'm going to uh absorb all of this i want to give you guys a shot here uh openings how to deal with the, so that's the packing asset any right. any wait a minute you're the only actual professional packer in the room <laughs> yeah
3: that's true i guess so yeah.
0: what any packing tips from you
3: uh no you guys both hit the nail on the head basically focusing on symmetry i don't personally do much with the nose either i don't do your method with rolling it in it makes total sense yeah. and, but I don't see why not um but yeah just focusing on symmetry putting a big emphasis on just making sure the sliders in a good spot and then not getting too fancy with anything else
0: uh, proper line so length yeah, not too Yep, not too yeah, long, yeah. not too short. If they're too long, that's a problem. Your line stows should be anywhere about two and a half to three inches. By the so, way, so like this long. About this long, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you jump an LMB uh, visual altimeter, our wristbands are just around three inches, three mm. inches on some of them and just that's under nice. three inches on the others, Viso versus Aries. So if you're making your stows larger than a LMB and wristband, wristband you're making your stoves too long.
3: That's a nice reference. That, point. Is, really like good. Good. that yeah. is really good. That yeah. is
0: really good. coming on one of our uh, upcoming videos. Unfortunately, all the people who write the videos <laughs> and produce the videos <laughs> are all pulling out their hair and it's amazing because only Nick has hair. Yes, yeah, only one I <laughs> yeah. And dude, that other project I told you we need to do, that's a serious one. Oh, that okay. one will take priority. Oh, yeah. I think you get it.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I will, I'm going to just, be, after jumping on a katana for a long time uh, and, and after breaking my pelvis in half on a katana, um there i got to learn some things (laughs) (laughs) a katana is great because he talks about you know uh he he talked he asked something about like you know getting used to a steeper um sight picture yeah to the sight picture a katana absolutely whatever you're coming from if it's a saber two or if it's a you know a a storm or a stiletto or whatever it's absolutely going to have a sight picture and a and a uh, and a descent angle that's way steeper and more closely in line with some of the cross brace canopies out there. Uh, and I think it's a good way to start, you know, to start understanding, you know, that speed and understanding that sight picture. Um, it's got a much longer recovery arc than, you know, than a lot of your other canopies, non cross brace canopies out there. So you can start learning what that longer recovery arc feels like. However, I think the biggest thing you have to watch out for them is the fact that it is not a cross brace canopy. Mm. Like, yes, it has some of the performance aspects of some of those higher-performance canopies, um, but it also lacks some of the benefits and pros that a cross brace canopy does like its power to pull out of that long recovery arc, like its ability to use its power in the rears and even its power in the toggles. Um, And that's where I got myself into a jackpot into, into a problem. Right. So um, I was treating it like a cross brace canopy and flying it like a cross brace canopy. And it was not a cross brace canopy. So, um, you know, I was flying a little too aggressively in the conditions and the environmental conditions that were, that were out there and I relied rather on my piloting skills, I relied on the canopy to try to pull me out of a spot that mm-hmm. I had no business relying on it because that's just not the canopy that it is. Um, and, and that's where I got my, my issue. So, so it was 100% on me um, and not understanding, you know, the limitations left and right limits of that canopy. But it, it's, it's a great canopy to start understanding that and to start understanding that, that increased speed, that increased side picture, that increased recovery arc, but you gotta understand what the limitations are.
0: I see this all the time in Canopy Coaching when people are making transitions from wing planforms to plan form and I don't necessarily mean uh planform but I mean class, right? You know yeah. you're talking talking a hyper aggressive conventional nine cell going to cross brace, that's another massive step. Uh, People typically think the katana is a safer canopy than the cross brace canopies because it's not as aggressive, and within reasons it can be, but it has those limitations. And because of that false expectation of it being a less aggressive canopy, they think it's safer and they can push those limits a little bit harder, but it is a less aggressive canopy in all levels of performance. Uh, The rigidity that comes with a cross brace canopy makes it a much more Uh, a semi much more rigid canopy it's got much more strength if you look at the saber three and a lot of the fluid wings the 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 valkyries a lot of the wings with the mini ribs and the tail all those mini ribs are to give more structure rigidity to the tail and that's why these canopies handle and respond better in those recovery arcs i I
1: would i would go so far as to say look the Katana is a good canopy. It can be a great canopy as long as you understand how to fly. It. Definitely. Katana yeah. is also an old canopy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been around <laughs> for a long time mm. and there's nothing against it. But, you know, in every everybody's situation is different. And yeah, because you can pick up a Katana for about 700 bucks, you know, <laughs> like, like it's got about a thousand jumps on it. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I do think, and I'm a PD guy. I have flown PD pretty much my entire time, but I do think that there are better transitional options available out there that still give you that transitional sight picture, that transitional speed, longer recovery art, but also give you more power um, in the lower end, you know, to to really kind of, you know, get you more used to what that cross brace is going to feel like. Fluid Wings, for example, you know, is, is a great example of what they're doing, especially with, like their gangster. That's that hybrid, right? So you get a little bit of cross brace, but you're, it's a good transitional. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the Sabre 3, you know, smaller Sabre 3 with the mini ribs. Or, I, I, I do think that there's you know, some of the some of the Icarus on, on that side as well. So, or whatever the gyro gyro, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: whatever their name is nowadays but, I uh, get good coaching it, it, it's, it's said all the time too. but it's yeah. not said enough and and I'll give you a tip uh, that I regularly deal with in coaching uh, before I give that tip I want to be careful with other canopies said don't listen to what the manufacturer bills it as uh, do a little bit of research because there's a lot of manufacturers that bill uh, this canopy this version of the canopy is steep blah 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 um, and that's because earlier versions or iterations or numbers of that canopy were so flat that steep is still not steep. <laughs> very ends, relative. Right, exactly. Very relative. Like married people in Kentucky. Very relative. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very relative. Uh, um, so yeah, a lot of their their marketing words, and a lot of their marketing descriptions, and, and man, I'll be, I'll straight up say, I, I could be guilty because I just today I was writing web fucking content, web fill for fucking new products, and yep. I have to be careful how and what I
1: write. SEO is always uh, a thing, man.
0: So. It's uh it's uh fortunately in our sport SEO is easy because we have such a limited uh, market. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such a limited market. Um, when I say limited market. I mean, there's no competition. Too. Sure. There, there's only you know. Yeah, I, uh, have you heard the twenty two irref- irrefutable laws of marketing? Or have you read? Uh, I, I'm it, sure I've seen it somewhere. It's an old but... book, and I say it's old. Like it's funny because you listen to the references of what current leaders are. It's like oh, this is but the laws still don't change. Sure um it talks about the number of leaders in an industry and i'm like we don't have that many people yeah, in our industry what? man what that's awesome that's just great we don't compete against that many people that's that's all of us yeah that's <laughs> everyone it's everybody um uh, uh uh shit what were we talking about talking oh, about
1: how how these manufacturers build some of these yeah, yeah yeah
0: man read read that shit um the the uh, the the tip of getting coaching Leaning forward, man, getting used to that steeper recovery arc, being aware of how you're sitting up. So I I have a good buddy of mine uh, who was jumping a Crossfire, and he was jumping a Crossfire 2 at the time because this is quite a few few years ago. This is when Crossfire 2 was new. Well, it's when it was new. So it had a steeper recovery arc because the th- one was nothing yeah um and it still was nothing and i was working with him on my recovery arc and i'm telling him it's longer than he thinks it is and it is truly longer than what he's getting and i'm like well let me watch one of your turns and he turns and as soon as he's done turning he leans forward and if you lean forward you are going to change the pitch of your canopy mm-hmm. leaning forward raises the pitch raises the nose leaning back keeps the nose down we are taught to lean on our flare and by the way if you're leaning forward in your flare it typically for almost all of us is going to be when our hands are down below our shoulders below our chest and if you're watching high performance swoopers i don't want you to watch that early lean that's their body position i want you to watch when they do this big shift when that big shift happens that's when you're leaning forward that's when you're putting your weight forward from your neutral body position their neutral body position is different Um, that's when, and you'll notice the the best of the best, that's when they're making that shift. And that's what we're trying to do at a lower speed, lower distance run. We just don't get the same performance. Um, so many jumpers lean forward too early and leaning too forward too early is going to change your recovery. It's going to change your recovery arc. So having a truly neutral body position is going to give you a true recovery arc and, uh, more and more importantly, having a consistent, body position is going to give you a consistent recovery arc so even if you're artificially recovering at least you're doing it consistently and consistently yeah, very true yeah. so uh but man get coaching because a number of people who i've had to teach uh, people going to cross brace canopies that posture that leaning that 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 position people cannot shut down cross braces when they go to it because they don't know how to use their body position <laughs> uh leaning forward over their hands over their feet and, and shutting down a wing and it's one thing that I constantly have had to teach over years. Fortunately, I teach it a lot less now because I think fundamentally our pilots are better now from the Agreed. beginning. So yep. um, anything else on the Katana katana oh steeper sight picture man uh honestly don't overthink it don't overdo it uh take a good natural sight picture uh when i'm landing i always have a sight picture that helps me know when to flare at some point i'm referencing it i I equate it to driving i look at the road i check my mirror i look at the road i check my other mirror i look at the road i check over my shoulder and this is scanning for traffic but when i'm in a tight situation i look at the road every now and then I might check something else. When I change a plan form, when I change an attack angle, when when I when I get steeper or flatter, I dial back on being aware, be, being sit, fully situationally aware, and I have to, so I also limit what kind of jumps I do, the sizes of groups and whatnot, and I dial it back a little bit so I can just focus on my natural sight picture, and if you focus on your natural sight picture, you're going to quickly learn it, progress through it, and do fine if you're making this transition at the right time. If you find it overwhelming, Take a step back for another 100 jumps, just 100, and you might be (laughs) fine. And and then do it again. And same thing. Same thing. Keep rinsing and repeating. Mm -hmm. Um, There's that. Uh, um, When is Nick's next sweet video coming out? Man. That's always a great question. That's a great question. Nick and I were talking about this together the other day. Um, we have a lot of goals personally. As friends, Alex is involved with some of these comments. Josh doesn't know, but he will be involved. Uh, imagine Yay. shooting. LB Altimeters US is an office. What do they do? And we're going to make a mockumentary. Yeah.
1: Oh, um, oh, and actually, I, oh, I thought this was like a legitimate document. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm no. going. To, I'm going to Fort Wayne next week to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no, cool. no, we're going to make a mockumentary,
0: right? <laughs> PD's done this. PD's done the office. Uh, and so, uh, you, so you're, you're well, I call you our facility partners for people who need to have a formal understanding. A that seems
1: f- such. That's a, such a PC. Like
0: it is. It is. But for a formal understanding <laughs> of what so we familiar. are.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very descriptive. I mean, it's yeah, very good.
0: Absolutely. Um, yo, it's our cop homies. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Share some buzz. space, yeah. Man, the, the narks are next door, brah. <laughs> I work next to my dad. Wayne is <laughs> cool <laughs> as shit, but as soon as he gets on a phone call. Hey Alex, how are you doing? I have a phone next to my head
1: now. <laughs> Best is video calls. Oh, because he's, he's just the camera's like right, oh, like the whole time no. he's just like hey, like like when you're <laughs> when you're on a video call, it's like the entire monitor is his face. Like, um, it's so great,
3: yeah. it's so great. Does he know, or should like, is anyone ever gonna
1: tell him? Yeah, oh, we tell him. Okay. we tell him all the time. Well, he, just, he, doesn't he doesn't care. He just doesn't, doesn't give thing. a shit. <laughs> like
3: <laughs> Wayne
0: is four years <laughs> older than me, okay. and I am really. That's he seems cool. forty years older. Yeah, he does. Um, but that. That amount of I don't give a shit uh-huh. Dude, I respect Wayne, it. Wayne and totally I it. get along completely fine. I think Wayne and I are the most similar in the office I would 100% everybody. agree mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I, uh, <laughs> uh, you and I have a lot of Whoa. similarities too but Wayne <laughs> I would have said you and I until I met Wayne until I met Wayne I would have thought it would have been you uh, but no Wayne is my cup of tea Him absolutely I, yeah yeah, we're also very easy to, uh, so really I think everybody in, in the facility is, we're very easy to dismiss each other and understand that it's not personal. No, we're yeah. just, we're working. Yeah, stuff to do. We're yeah. in a fucking work environment sure. and I don't need yeah. you right now, so go away. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I don't think anybody has said that. Everybody reads the room and, and walks away. So, um, uh, Shit. Uh, You're talking about uh, the documentary, yeah. The video. Man, so we're looking at doing a lot of videos and we, we just don't know what's going to happen when. Uh, there's some busy schedules going on for Nick Lot right now. Um, We are freeing up some of his time. Uh, Skydive Spaceland is doing some really cool uh, projects with our student program that him and I are heavily involved in. Uh, I have a lot of projects going on with LMB right now that demand uh, my absolute full attention, and it's been chaotic. It's been wonderful. Uh, there's there's no complaint about it. Josh sees me every day, uh, most days, yeah. and and I enjoy what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> most days when I show up to work, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we How about you? Uh, yeah, it's like when I decide to come in.
0: Well, we we're in the office three days a week. Yeah, you guys that's are in the fair. office about the same? And they sometimes overlap, they're sometimes. not the same days. Yeah, yeah. So um, and we kicked you out of the office this week because it's great. I your office it. is the studio, and we. <laughs> needed the studio I love it um, 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 and then uh, uh, yeah so we, we have a few things going on but we we hope to see Nick do that sometime soon mm-hmm. um, Jacob I really I do, I do want to read that one and I want to read that because uh, looking to build videos got me into skydiving and I found this podcast as an A-licensed newbie so thank you for all the fun podcasts and lessons I've learned from listening for the past four years um, the fact that you've listened to us for four years, Jacob, makes me absolutely disrespect you.
1: <laughs> do you not have anything better to do with your time? <laughs> like in four years you haven't found something better. Than uh, hobbies, anything to please no, like
0: man. <laughs> it's such
2: an honor. No, it's it's awesome. so fucking cool,
0: bro. Cool. No, thank you. Mad 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 respect.
1: I, w- yeah. I will uh I definitely will second on the looking to build or just the, the videos, Same. but the, the event its itself is is probably one of the cooler events. I think in skydiving yeah. just because of the people that it involves because of the things that they're doing, you know, I mean, hundred oh, percent, some of that stuff is just absolutely unreal. And yeah. it's, and it's, and, and, and I got to, you know, and I, I just got to be there a lot of times when it was happening, just out of proximity yeah. <laughs> and luck, sure. you know, but like to be able to see, Uh, you you know that much talent get together and that's not just looking to build i mean that's a a lot of the events we have a space on but especially looking to build. yeah there
3: seems to be something special about looking to build and i'm in a similar boat where it made me want to be a better flyer early on and like sometimes if i'm looking for motivation i still go back and looking to build (laughs) too that was the big (laughs) Uh, one for me i think it was a big one for a lot of people like when that song starts playing and like (laughs)
1: was that the the little dicky one yeah the 90s song yes like
3: i can picture it now in my head and even that (laughs) starts getting me like let's go i want to do some flying like it it just absolutely does it for me. we need
1: guru back in the jobs i've not seen guru in a long time yeah i don't know
3: what he's been up to i I never really (laughs) met him i mean we've bumped shoulders a couple of times and i've seen him for the events but like i wasn't here when he was like here here yeah Um, do you know what he's doing
1: uh he's been in atlanta for several years Um, he's a cop um, is not. he No,
0: no, he's a stuntman. <laughs> yeah, he's a man. And <laughs> yeah. he's posted photos of him as a cop on yeah. Facebook being uh, a stuntman. And yeah. it's just so ironic if you know some of his history with law mm. enforcement. Um, no, Guru, I think, is living a very happy and good life. He, he oh, moved yeah. to Atlanta, where, where it's the new Hollywood. Uh, he's gotten th- into the stunt industry and seems to be doing really well for himself. Um, and, and it's really cool that he can take a skill set of, I think it, it started because of his motorcycle skillset, oh, yeah. yeah. and sure. it's transitioned yep. because he's learned other things and made more of it. And it's cool that he can take something that he's very skilled at and very passionate about and make it something that he can do for a living and evolve in that yeah. work in that mm-hmm. workplace. That's a dream of any, anybody, especially any athlete, so sure. to speak. Uh, calling us all athletes uh so good good for guru man i think that's super dope uh that's where he's at um i i I do think he'll be back with uh looking to build i don't know for that for sure sick um i do want to throw out the film festival uh i was gonna
1: ask you know that's uh yeah you know
0: yeah we're gonna make a major commitment we're gonna make a major string pull we talked about this recently alex you were on the show um nick wants to do it with a major event um i want to do it later in the year because sunset is earlier it's sure. easier mm-hmm. let's we're not gonna start videos
1: at 9 30 exactly the old man and 30 pa- 30, 30 minutes already. past my bedtime exactly, you know?
0: <laughs> exactly man it, It's so there, oh. there's so 9 30 <laughs> <laughs> it's only start you know <laughs> yeah. um hold on one second i'm doing some dates here um so uh that's been my fan thing sunset Hmm. september i don't know let's just say second it's close enough to the It's going to be I'm like 8 o'clock. 743, good mm-hmm. call, yeah. good call.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so And then we did it November this last year because sunset, time change. Yeah, Daylight savings that first weekend, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of Nick's arguments, and I agree with this argument, is people are there, people are, let's, let, let's keep it going while it's going. One of his arguments for keeping it later is, is it gives people the entire season to build up video footage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Nick likes the, the draw of the crowd being there already, and I, I like his argument. I'm good with his argument. Um, uh, so we wanted to attach it to an event And we talked about attaching it to Of course we need to check I, I would check with Tex on the uh, Tropical Space Camp Can we throw our, our film festival that same night I mean quite honestly I don't need Texas permission I can throw a uh, But I mean I want to actually coordinate with his event and be part of that event and, and do something to help attract his people i want to sure. get i want to see the films from these motherfuckers um but it was just too soon it's just too early so yeah. uh labor day boogie at skydive spaceland is what we mentioned next labor day is september 4th so i'm assuming labor day weekend boogie is september 2nd Second, that or, year, right yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the goal. Let's throw it. Let's make it happen. Um, Nick has already said on the show, he doesn't care if he has to stay at the hangar till 1 PM. Uh, mm. he, we can replay the tape if we need to. When he bitches about it, we'll say he said he was okay. Um, so yeah, uh, let's do it. We, we end you in. I like it. Yeah I like, oh, it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I think
1: that's yeah. a, you know, cause it's the end of summer you know labor day is yeah. kind of the end of summer it's yeah. the end of the kind of official season i want everybody to
0: lock that onto your counters i say everybody uh if you listen to this show and you're not there get fucked you're not your <laughs> friends anymore we don't like you you're banned no i'm kidding uh i mean the guys on the show i know josh there's times where you don't know if you're going to be in brazil tomorrow morning or not
1: <laughs> yeah you know, can,
3: the, the joke is real that is not <laughs> yeah, i was not, like that is uh, not uh an exaggeration uh, josh so. i need you to go to brazil tomorrow morning
0: uh, real phone call real really yeah happy. real phone call <laughs> real, <laughs> really uh, yeah. real real I mean, life sounds exciting yeah <laughs> <laughs> Frisco, I'm sure, but yeah. still kind of cool. Uh, given the surroundings and, and the frequency, it makes it difficult. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the surroundings being a building that's not a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: it's just. Yeah. I mean, it's just a freak. Like yesterday was. I need you in Indiana Monday. So, you know, like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, you know the stable. I don't go anywhere in life, and I have a very easy schedule. Mm.
1: Opposite. Opposite. I suppose. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, and it just is what it is. Is yeah. it like that for the foreseeable future too? Like that's just the role,
1: or? uh, uh yes. No, Ooh. no. Um, let's we, close out with one last thing. We won't. Mm. Yeah, you got some news to share? No, uh, there's gonna be a transition. Okay. So, I'm not trying to. Get I'm into in a transitional it. period. Uh, let's just say I'm gonna be flying a lot more. Mm. He's All still right.
0: gonna be working with Berna. Yeah, he's still going to his flying obligations. Will have limitations uh, by what he does. Um,
1: We'll get tuned into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a a good thing.
0: Um, But those limitations
1: and a lot faster. Yeah, Yeah. a lot faster.
0: (laughs) 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 Will still allow him to do some of the burner things. Um, Mm -hmm. Although. Josh tells me he'll be in the office almost just as much. I think he's full of shit. <laughs> just as little.
1: <laughs> what I do
0: believe is you'll work almost just as much, but sometimes you'll be doing it from different places. Yep.
1: Uh, yeah, like like the podcast, I think um, I've really worked out a good home studio option, and I, I like it because it's a different venue, and it provides a different... You know, it's just a different literal, a literal different backdrop from you know doing it Mm -hmm. at the studio and doing a podcast somewhere else. So I kind of like doing the podcast there, and um, so so so, yeah. I mean, there's just there's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna gonna get uh, creative. So,
0: any last questions? You guys know that you want somebody to hit up or talk about.
1: Nothing for me. Nothing legitimate. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I really
0: have. Uh, when are both of you going to come out to Lexington to get your farm swoops in? That was for you and I from Ethan Schmidt. Uh, Cecily, the only lane where the gates move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. It took a second, man. It took a second. Uh, Ethan, uh, I'm an old man. Um, I actually do want to come out to Lexington and get some skydives in sometime uh, this year. It would be fun to do this chill place. We yeah, need to have a little mini boogie
1: out there. Uh, yeah. It would be fun. I've never been. Uh, Kristen, if a, if a tree falls in the woods, Woods, can two skydivers still break off successfully? Man, I, th- th- some <laughs> of the no, skydive- but they'll video it. <laughs> no, some of the skydives that I've seen, that I've been on, like it doesn't matter what you do, they can't break off successfully. So, <laughs> good luck,
0: <laughs> man. We have a really cool queue of guests coming up right now. Alethea has agreed to be on the show. Alethea, you guys uh, might know from the show, but she really has evolved, and it's it's amazing to watch her evolve because she's such an open human being and the next level uh, things that she's doing with her goals and what she's doing in her leadership and, the, and what she's been able to accomplish has empowered her to help others and be a leader to others and she's working with anybody she can but what she's really doing with a lot of the ladies nowadays is really unique and, and I want to talk to her about a lot of that. Um, Tex has really evolved quite a bit and even though they're they're one of Scott Iving's it power couples in my opinion um, absolutely fucking top shelf both sexy as fuck too um, uh, we're going to have them on separately although we've had them on TV. Together in the past um, just because it turns into a bit of a shit show when oh, we I'm enjoy sure. that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I really want to share some of their messages and text has, has evolved and a lot of what's going on and angle and and movement stuff has really evolved and we, we've had on, on about it before but he's also in the queue right now uh, we have a doctor coming up. If you would like to share a second about that,
1: yeah, Laura Galdemez. Uh, she is um, she's really kind of kind of hit the skydiving world this last couple of years. is a sensational skydiver and has inserted herself. And I say that in a, in a really good way. Has been invited to do some amazing things. But um, as a as a doctor, she's really taken a, a physiological approach to kind of or a, a, excuse me, a medical approach to some of the physiological aspects of skydiving. Um, and she, I mean, she's she's actually in the middle of a study, um, you know, on 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 how Um, you know kind of how oxygen affects us as skydivers and you know our oxygen levels when we skydive and 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 and, and she's been she's been doing a lot of research over the last uh, year plus on that and, and and some other aspects of physiological aspects of skydiving as well and so she's i think she's I, I think she's, uh, she's really making some breakthroughs and, and kind of the ideology and way we, we approach skydiving as, you know, physiologically.
0: I should never run the board. The camera's always on me when I'm not talking and never
1: on me when I'm talking. <laughs> <Just sitting laughs> They're typing the whole time. Oh dude, just, I pick my nose at. a lot. <laughs> um, um,
3: so those are all the things that I was finding stuck to the desk back there. Oh God. No, yeah, 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 that was the scary stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that was it. That was it, man. Um, uh, uh, so, Doctor Galdamez, I like to call her Doctor Gargamel. Um, <laughs> okay. Her and her her husband, the Gargamels, the Gargamels, <laughs> yeah, gargamel. the gargamel. Uh, absolutely. Like for for one second, let's forget the topic that we want to talk about with Laura. She's just a fucking amazing human being. Oh, a wonderful dude, lady. It's, it's so
1: fun. To, I mean, I, I I had the privilege of, of being on a four way team with her for uh, a year last season, and it was it was one of the best seasons that I've had, and, and she definitely contributed a lot to that. So,
0: yeah, super dynamite lady. Uh, Chuck Acres has not been on the show in a while, and it's been really interesting. because... Because uh, if you heard Chuck on the show in the past, he he grew a lot as he became our regional director. Um, If you know anything about me and my history with USPA and Chuck Akers, I was not a big fan of Chuck becoming our regional director because I was afraid of some of the actions and terms that he would take. Things he said before he was an RD kind of worried me that he would would get run away with the position and and become a, a bar a deputy barney fife a, 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 just a guy who doesn't need to be doing the job and the day he took that office he started educating himself he started representing his region the best way he could he started representing the organization and safety the best way he could he stopped uh saying things that he wasn't sure of and made sure that he represented the truth the best ways possible Um, He has since become the president of USPA, and I've had some friends who've been the president of USPA. I've had some close friends, and I will say right now, Chuck Akers has been one of the most efficient and effective presidents we had. Presidents don't do shit except for make sure the meeting go accordingly. Presidents don't typically vote unless it's a Mm -hmm. tiebreaker. So their job is to keep shit moving along. So Chuck knows how to get people working together and keep people working together. That's a fucking huge accomplishment. Uh, and so I would be really curious. His life's evolved. He's retired. He's since unretired. <laughs> um, he's now uh, working remote retired or something like hmm. that. Uh, Chuck would love to be on the show and share some perspective uh, of- that he's yeah. learned as our re- new regional director and national or president, and that, that will be fun. Um, there are two or three others that are queued up this summer in the banks that are visiting, traveling through, but I don't want to say their names um, in part because their travels get changed on occasion, um, in part because they show up and commonly get, they're, they're here for camps and, and they get pulled in by their participants. And when their participants pull them in, we Can't must no. respect yep. it. Yeah, yep. man. Yeah. So uh, see, the camera's not on me and I'm talking. Like, I told you it's <laughs> the fucking way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. Hey, did you watch that? This oh is the yeah! Way? yeah oh yeah! What a strong end!
1: Yeah, I, I just the whole series is I, I just love the I, I just love the Western vibe. Did you it, watch it, Picard? Are you a Picard? I, fan? I did not. I have not. I have Are not you a TNG fan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that was my era. So know. yeah,
0: watch Picard. Hold on, watch Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Cameras with watch Picard. The beginning is slow. The first season is slow. The first season's is... <laughs>
1: builder. Yeah. Dude, slow burn kind of.
0: Man, oh my god, it, it burns like gonorrhea. <laughs> I mean, mm, it's
1: on fire. I... I... It, it.
0: You know, I grew up with Star Trek. I'm a little bit older than you, so I grew up with it even a little sure. bit more. And TNG was a huge part of my life. And, and one of my favorite, absolute best uh, Star Trek cast is is TNG, The Next Generation. Mm. Enterprise D is the Enterprise that was <laughs> the main ship for that. The E becomes later in the movie sequence the series. Fucking nerds. Um, uh, dude, Picard is fucking stellar. And then have you been watching Strange New World? Uh, it, it's the newest spinoff for star trek it's phenomenal no. man it's phenomenal no. if you have paramount plus all of this is there okay dude uh right now star trek uh discovery was really good if you didn't watch it um and and, and it gets some if you're if you're a psilocybin uh fan and i say psilocybin i'm not just talking magic mushrooms i'm talking about actually the the, the uh, like mycelium grade, network yeah. yeah no no not not medical grade but people who are into the mycelium network being a greater mm. part of space we're all interconnected it is the only gotcha. thing that's lived coming through space etc um i'm not saying i believe in these things i'm saying this is the foundation um uh uh, it, it is it's an interesting show period, but they actually delve into mycology and, and use it as a foundation to part of the show including characters are named after some of the most famous mycologists ever interesting yes i've studied mycology a little <laughs> bit i've grown magic mushrooms allegedly <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly.
1: Allegedly. Allegedly.
0: allegedly allegedly allegedly
1: no i'm uh, i'm trying to make it through the last kingdom right now I, I don't get a lot of time to watch tv and a lot of time it's when i'm flying so like <laughs> on, on not like when i'm flying but like when i'm sitting in a plane <laughs> okay. and not yeah, flying whatever but Yeah, after a good recommendation. Last Kingdom is where I'm trying to move. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Um, I want to wrap up uh, that upcoming guest list. Alex actually was just in touch with another potential guest coming up soon. It is.
3: Are we talking about Luis? Odin? Oh, Dylan. Sorry. I was thinking about someone completely different. Who are you thinking about? Uh, the guy that was in town a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's one
0: of the ones I wasn't going to say the name of because okay. he's coming back and womp might get womp. tied up. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, Dylan Odin. Yeah. Dylan, so we have we have sure. some locals that we I want to Dylan. to bring on. We always like our local fans, our local family. Nicole Black is is trying to come back. Um, Dylan Odin is a tunnel shredder. Uh, Dylan Odin is part of what I, I, I call Any three guys who hang out together The three stooges so If I call you three stooges It's not an offensive thing It's just you're the three guys together I tell Ivy You know the three stooges Of DJ Billy and Alex That's just the three homies Who hung out together uh, Different Alex um, uh, Logan Dylan And CD mm-hmm. were, They were the mm-hmm. three stooges together mm-hmm. and, and It was fun to watch them go It was fun to watch them grow And um, Logan has done fair and good for himself, but I was always concerned. Like, yo, slow down, Junior. Take it easy. Take it easy. Be careful. Uh, CD is like always a little bit worried about, but not definitely was not an a, 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 uh, ego or too fast thing. It's just like, man, take some time, process this. He hurt himself, so I mean, CD has done great for himself. Dylan was always that quiet, even killed one, and those are the ones that scare me skill set wise. <laughs> Skill set wise, because they're usually taking in so much information and watching him. He was the one that I never cared about because he always was doing good things. And so to see where Dylan has come in that time frame, and I've not got to, I don't get to see Dylan at all. Cause he's he's a weekday jumper. I'm not,
1: mm-hmm. um, I'll see him tomorrow. If he's at the tunnel Friday, which I think you will be, yeah. I'll be at the tunnel. Yeah, there, I'll
0: so. be excited to cool. see him. So tell him you heard he's supposed to be on the show soon. Just awesome. let's build his hype up a little bit. Cause yep. Alex talked to him already and he nice. said yes, right?
1: Yeah. Just have to
3: make it work with uh, scheduling and stuff. Yeah. But
0: one of my favorite shows, see, I'm not on the fucking, you're on camera the whole fucking time. You <laughs> picked your toenails on fucking video. <laughs> um, and one of but. my favorite episodes is the Gold Diggers Club of Scottish Spaceland. Uh, that is, uh, <laughs> did you know
1: it exists? I didn't. I need to go back and rewatch that. Uh,
0: did you know there's actually a Gold Diggers Club of Skydive Spaceland? N- no. I am the president. <laughs> Critter Weiss is a vice president. Oh, there is a picture of us clinking rings. <laughs> matthew peterson i lost track of what titles we gave people uh is part of the club uh do <laughs> you understand why we're in the social club?
1: chair i could see him <laughs> being the social chair yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh 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 kieran remember kieran the, no none of you guys know him uh there there is a a handful of gentlemen who you get the K- joke. Uh, uh, the irish little fucking oh, oh, we no. eat potatoes <laughs> um, i do not no. um we uh kieran the, the kieran the McGuire. Cares. Kieran McGuire is Irish as you get, right there. Um, he, uh, 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 we, we just, we're, we're all guys who married women with good jobs. Sure, uh, some of them much better. We call uh, uh, Critter the doctor's husband. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he, he married an anesthesiologist. He married <laughs> them, uh, right. Uh Matthew, when we have that show, do not expect any skydiving. Do not expect anything. <laughs> uh, if we can get Critter on, we will. But it's usually Matthew, Critter, and I and whoever ends up driving, driving. And you just see three guys just sit there like <laughs> three married kept men having Scotts, brother. <laughs> That's what that show is about. <laughs> so, enjoy it. Join it. Uh, we're trying to get that club back on as well. So, That'd we, we got great. a lot of shit coming up. Sorry this was just uh, us 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 uh, bald head. I, I
1: tell you what we got to we got to visit a lot of good topics, we did, yeah. you know, and and I think that was I think it was really good. I really I enjoyed just being able to kind of um you know, answer some of the questions and talk about some some actual like poignant stuff. So it was good. For sure. I totally agree.
3: Yeah, it was nice getting to chat with you guys. I appreciate you brought it up because I was thinking about canceling the show
0: uh, something I said recently is I want to cancel the show less and just take the homies and run the show with just the homies we're very capable of it we have a lot of knowledge and information and experience to share and very different viewpoints to bring it from
1: I definitely have some viewpoints <laughs> oh I didn't say good yeah. we have a lot of we experience. have lot. Yeah, good experience
0: yeah. so uh, man I'm glad you talked me into it keep me on that straight train guys if I try to cancel for no guests say hey let's do a homie show make it happen just know I need you to do the heavy lifting on those hey, um, love it and you carry you, you notice you get me hooked in right uh, real quick um oh, that Hey-o. is not Hello. what i meant to do so <laughs> as we uh, get to wrap out of here as we start our way out the door <laughs> <be> so great. <laughs> anything else you guys uh want to talk about
3: uh, i don't know you got anything i'm excited about the film festival Are we back? I don't know. <laughs> like, There's what so is much going, going on, on back. There. <laughs> 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 He's finally getting to press all the buttons. That uh, happened to me when that soundboard first came in, I wanted to press everything at <laughs> once. <laughs> but we're live, I'm not. Hey.
2: It's just so much. There's
3: just so much going on.